Just some quick housekeeping to go over really quick. First of all, I want to apologize. So we had a little bit of technical difficulties in this episode. There were some connection issues. So there are parts of this episode that sound a little goofy. Uh, They sound a little choppy, if you will. But for the most part, you're going to be able to hear everything clear. There just might be some pauses here and there. Uh, So I do apologize for that. I'm working on trying to figure out the connection issues so that we can avoid this moving forward. So bear with me. I apologize. I promise it'll still be a great episode. Second thing, really quickly, um, I've been allowing the guests to choose an intro song and an outro song. And I thought about maybe I should start saying what these songs are in case you like the song and you want to check it out for yourself. But then I thought, you know, what might be better is if I don't say what these songs are. That way you got to reach out to the guest yourself and strike up a conversation with them. For instance, if there's a song you hear on today's episode that Buddha chose, like, man, I like that song. Yes, granted, you could cheat. You could use Shazam. But I think it's going to be better if you're like, you know what? I haven't talked to Buddha in a while. I'm going to shoot Buddha a message, tell him what I thought of this episode. Tell him, hey, I want to know what that song was because it sounded awesome. And then be, you're striking up a conversation with him. And it's just kind of a win-win all around. Lastly, just so Buddha doesn't get any uh, crap for this, I'm the one that chose Taylor Swift on the intro. So... Get at me for choosing Taylor Swift. I apologize. It wasn't Buddha's. But anyway, let's get into this episode. This one is a great episode. Uh, It's very long, but it is very, very good. I don't want you to miss any of this. If it takes you a day or two to listen to, I promise every minute is worth it. This is such a good episode. And I know that everybody listening is going to get at least something, if not many things from it. I know I did. So without any further ado, here's my episode with Buddha. I just, I just came through it, I'm a misfit, looking presidential. Yeah, somebody call up JG Rockworth. Your boy need a couple zeros in his network. Life's a game, but who put this thing on expert? Been faster for two weeks and now my head hurt. Your pastor got a new whip, I got the same Toyota. Working hard, so my girl is selling Fashion Nova. Don't tell me Tino freeloading, this ain't Baby Yoda. He a real good fella, no really Yoda. All right, welcome back. Episode three of the 24 Down podcast. I am very pumped about this episode. We've got a great guest on, potentially maybe the godfather of 24 Down himself, Vincent Buddha. Buddha, how you doing, buddy? Carlos! <laughs> That's what I got to say, man. Is he around? Because we're going to be making some noise right now, man. How you doing, Josh? I'm doing good, man. It's been it's it's really been, good to see you. Yeah, it's been a while, man. I, I, we've we've kept in touch a little bit throughout the years here and there, but you know, I, I'm pumped not only for this episode just to hear all the stories and stuff like that, but I'm also pumped to be able to just sit down and talk to you for a while because it's it's been yeah. a while. So yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, man. So I, I guess kind of keeping on the same track of of the the other episodes, um, give me a, as quick as long, however you want, a, an overview of what your life has been since 24 down since you left Valley Forge so that, you know, people who may not have kept in touch with you or only a little bit, they can kind of 
catch up with where you are today and how you've got there. Yeah, man. Uh, first off, thank you so much for the opportunity, man. When I heard you guys, when, when I heard you were doing this, I was like, man, I got to get on here. And also I got to listen. And I love the two episodes before this, uh, man, 24 down guys and girls and everyone that loves 24 down, you gotta get on this. We want to hear from you. It's just amazing. So yeah, definitely. So, um, I have to say, and I, I was at Valley Forge and at 24 down um, for all four years that I was there, uh, 2004 to 2008. And in about 2006, I got a job at my church. Uh, my church is in Yonkers, New York. So it was about two and a half hours away. So I would go on the weekends. I would go back home and do children's ministry and youth ministry and then come back to school on Sunday. Uh, and so I was being paid and everything. And it was great. It was great learning stuff and putting it into practice at church. And then in 2008, I actually didn't fully graduate yet. I had a couple more um, credits that I had to take um, to, to graduate. So I was doing some online courses uh, from Valley Forge. But um, pretty much after, you know, May 2008, I, I went home. My parents moved out of my childhood home and pretty much took the mortgage payments and put it in my lap and said, hey, you want a home? Here you go. And so I started, I started to pay the mortgage. I was working in the summer camp at that point. Um, and then October of 20, uh, 2008, I, I got married to uh, my high school sweetheart, uh, Joy. And uh, so we got married. And, um, and at that point, also, I became the children's pastor. I was the children's pastor part-time at Yonkers Christian Assembly and then uh, in Yonkers. And then I was also uh, teaching fifth grade. Now, I taught fifth grade for four years. Uh, it was horrible. Um, I hated teaching. It was a day-in, day-out struggle. Plus, I was the children's pastor, so that was there was a lot there to deal with and everything. I was just pulled in so many directions. Thank God at that time I didn't have kids. Um, but I was married, and about two, three years into our marriage, uh, we said, hey, I love you. You love me. Let's create a family, you know. So uh, we we started uh, doing the thing, you know what I mean. And um, so uh, and then pretty much uh, our first child popped out, and that was Layla. That's our first daughter. She's eight years old now, eight and a half, and uh, she's she's awesome. She's like her mom and like me. Uh, she can laugh, but she can also put you in her put put you in your place. And it's 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 really cool how they come out kind of like both. Um, and then two years later, we had uh, Micah, and he is six now, six and a half as well, and um, he's a beautiful boy. Um, and then we recently had about almost two years ago, um, our third child and final child, because uh, we're done. It's a lot of work. <laughs> um, uh, Lily, Lily Rose, and um, she's, she's so cute. Um, she's running around the house making the most noise. Uh, but they're doing awesome. So after those four years of teaching fifth grade, um, the, the youth pastor that was here at my church, he left and he went to go uh, to Chicago and did something there. Um, so I was offered the youth pastor and children's pastor position as a student ministries pastor. Um, that, was, that was a fun time. I didn't have to teach anymore, so I was very happy about that. And um, so I stepped into that position, didn't think I wanted to do youth ministry. I thought I wanted to be a children's pastor and a children's missionary for the rest of my life. I loved what I was doing, but uh, I, I kind of took a step of faith and I said, let's do this. And I just fell in love with the teens 
and fell in love with youth ministry. And it was a lot of fun. There was a lot, I didn't do anything with youth ministry. Uh, I didn't take any classes at Valley Forge. I was not trained for it, but I stepped into it. And these were my kids that I had for years as children. And now they were teens and we had a great time. So I did youth ministry and children's ministry for about, I think, five years together. And, um, and after having all the kids and all that stuff, uh, my pastor of 23 years um, decided to uh, move on from YCA. And I started going to church at eight years old here, and he started at the same time. So he's, he's been my only pastor that I've ever known. And, and so, uh, and he was also a mentor. He was a friend. He was like a family member. And he left, and that left a big void here. And um, I never wanted to be a senior pastor ever in my life, but I felt God saying, hey, um, I want you to do this. And I said, okay, God, uh, I was never trained for this either, but I guess I'll do it. And I put my name in the hat. And six months later, after a whole drawn out process of looking for other candidates, plus looking at myself, um, our church voted us in 92% to be the pastors of the church. And that's been about two and a half years now. And it's been a crazy ride. Um, my first two years of being the pastor, I felt like God was trying to kill me uh, physically, spiritually, mentally, everything, man. And, um, but what I found out was he was allowing those things to happen in my life, um, to, to build me up and to get me tough and to get me strong for what he was going to do this year. And this year, you know, there's a lot of change this year, but, um, God is doing some amazing things in YCA we're, right now we're doing something we're doing like, you know, um, we're, we're doing online services, but we're also doing something called Boxes of Hope, where we're um, bringing boxes of food and a bunch of other awesome stuff inside and evangelism materials to people's houses on Saturdays. We deliver them. So far, we've delivered over almost a thousand boxes in just like six weeks, seven weeks. So um, we thank God for that. We're planting seeds and hopefully people give their life to God. And um, so pretty much that's where I am right now. And this quarantine has kicked my butt at first. I loved, I loved it because I'm, I'm a natural introvert being at home. But uh, what, what's happened is uh, homeschooling and things like that have kicked my butt at home. And I'm here for 12 to 13, 14 hours sometimes in the office at church. And it's just, you, I haven't had a day off yet. And uh, it doesn't look like we're going on vacation. So um, I don't know what is going to happen. But hey, I'm sticking in there. And I know God has a, has a plan. So. That's awesome. Um, there, there's, there's a lot to unpack uh, with, with that. And it, uh, you know, I got a few questions to springboard off that or a few things to say as well. So one thing that like really stuck out to me and I don't want it to like, just kind of be brushed over. Cause like as simple as it was, like it was something that like, as you said it, like I got chills a little bit. Like when you talked about, the vote and you guys getting 92% like that's awesome. And that shows the, the faith that the congregation has in you. It shows the trust they have in you. And if I, I mean, at least in my perspective, if you're going to have a vote on something like that and you're getting 92%, that's 92% of people that are absolutely, yes, a hundred percent. And we want this, that other 8% doesn't mean that, they don't want it either. And if I had to guess the other 8% would have been completely fine with you doing the job also, it's just that maybe they voted, I don't know, or whatever, but that's a huge, like, I mean, a huge testament to the person you are and the character you are that 
you have a overwhelming majority of your congregation saying, this is who, this is who we trust. This is who we want to lead us. I think that's a really big thing. And, and like I said, it, it, that really stuck out to me. Oh, thanks for saying that. And I, I, I kicked those 8% out of the church right after. So, you know, <laughs> no, nah, just playing. But uh, you know, you know what the crazy thing is um, as a person, as a pastor, as someone in ministry, as someone in like a public, you know, on um, public display, it, it's hard because it's like you can have a hundred things good said about you, but when you hear one thing bad, it just ruins your day. And so that 8% that I didn't get just ruined me. I know 92% is very big, but I was like thinking of that. Who could it be? All that stuff. But I try to forget it. I try not to think about it, but, but I thank you for those words. But yeah, that was a very, very crazy situation for me because the way they do it is, is really weird. It's not like a presidential election in the AG or especially in the New York AG, I don't know how it is in every other state, but what they do is they, they, they get some candidates together that are looking for a position and they do the background checks and they, they, they do the reference checks and all that stuff. And then they get a couple names, two or three names or more. And then what they do is um, they put one candidate up, but they don't put candidates against each other. So I was the first candidate, and I think I was the only candidate, because what I didn't share was our, our church was in over $150,000 worth in debt, and so someone had to bring us out of that debt, and then we found out there was more like two hundred dollars or $250,000 after the pastor left. So, um, so what happened was no one wanted the job heard, um, through the grapevine. No one wanted the job. No one loved Yonkers like I did. No one, you know, really wanted to come in. So I may have been the only candidate. I'm not sure. So what they do is they bring up one candidate. I was the first one. And you just have a choice of, do you want Vincent Buddha or not? So if you were thinking, I want to hear other candidates. If you wanted to hear someone else, it would be Vincent Buddha is not your pick. And Vincent Buddha will never be your pick. You can't go back on your word. So you either vote now for him or we lose him forever. That's pretty much what it was. And people knew about that. Um, and then the second person would come in, but it didn't get to a second person. They brought me after I, what, what they do is they, on Friday, they, they kind of interview you with the church, but like a week or two before they interview you with the board and the pulpit committee, which is like a really scary thing. You got like 12 people asking you questions about your life, about this, about that. And, um, it's me and my wife sitting there kind of alone answering these questions. And then, um, and then on uh, there's a Friday night where they bring the church and the church can ask you questions to get to know you. They, most people knew me, but you know, some people wanted to know this and that. Um, and then and then Sunday they bring you uh, to preach and that's pretty much your candidate preaching day. Um, and pretty much everything is on that day. And uh, after I preached, they sent me all the way upstairs and they said, don't come down. I will come get you. We're going to vote. And that was like very nerve wracking and scary. I felt God saying that he, that he had it for me. But at the same time, you're a person. So it's like, you know, you have faith, but at the same time, you have those doubts. Uh, but then uh, the guy came up. He was from like the New York network. He came up. He was like, hey, would you take 92%? I was like, oh, my goodness. Right. So we go down and everyone's hugging and kissing and everything. And it was pretty cool. That's so awesome, man. Like, seriously, that's that's such a cool cool thing you know like and i know you said you were you were focusing in the time you were focusing on the eight percent and i get that you know when you see the one negative comment out of a hundred and that's the one that sticks out so like i get that but again and and i don't know the the eight percent that didn't vote but again i don't 
I just have a gut feeling that it wasn't an 8% that didn't want you. It was an 8% that would say, yeah, for whatever it is. Yeah. Like we would like Buddha, but let's hear what other option there is or whatever. Like I don't, to me, I don't think I've ever met a person that doesn't like you right off the bat. So I, and I'm sure that everybody listening can completely agree with me. Um, but yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. Um, another thing, and, and I don't want to get too much into 24 down stuff right now, cause that's going to be the, the meat and potatoes of this whole thing. And we'll get into that. But, uh, I guess just a, a question that I wanted to ask, cause you talked about, you got to 24 down in 2004. Or well, you got to Valley Forge in 2004. Were you in 24 down all four years? Yeah, I was in 24 down all four years. And I have to say, man, um, when I first got there, uh, I wanted I wanted out. I, I did not want to be there. Um, I'll tell you a little bit more about my first roommate, Tom Fadden, but he is a trip. Um, and if he listens to this, I don't really care because he's crazy. But um, I had a crazy roommate. I was, I felt like I was surrounded by strangers and weirdos at first, right? And um, I started hanging out with someone in my start group, my start team, I, I think that's what they called it. And he was, you know, it was hard not to spot him. He's like this six foot five guy and he was on the basketball team. He lived in Bonjourno Hall and we all know Bonjourno Hall. It was, you know, it was like, you know, kind of you know, uh, palace, uh, compared to 24 down and, um, had air condition and, you know, in August, September over there in Pennsylvania, it was really hot sometimes. So I would hang out with him. I hung out with him for two weeks straight and almost became his roommate. And then he did some things that I didn't like. Um, I had, I had a girlfriend from home <clears throat> and he had a girlfriend from home our high school sweethearts within those two weeks, he, he dumped his girlfriend from home and started going out with someone on, on campus and was doing all kinds of nasty things with her. And I said, you know what? I don't think I want to be part of this guy. And plus I started getting to like the guys on my floor in those two weeks, starting to get to know them. We had our first floor meeting, all that stuff. So I was like, yeah, well, I kind of like these guys, but I'm hanging out with this guy so much in the air condition at Bongiorno. And I said, yo, I sat him down one day at dinner and I said, um, I can't, I can't really be your friend, bro. It was like breaking up with a girl, man. I was like, I can't be your friend. I actually used the, it's not you, it's me. Um, so I wouldn't have to tell him too much about, about why I was kind of breaking off the friendship. And I said, I can't be your roommate. I, I actually really want to spend more time with the guys on 24. And from that moment after I let him go, um, then the best times just just came came my way and came my way and it was just it was just awesome so I and I, I after that first semester first year we were talking about hey do we want to get an apartment it would be awesome if all of us got an apartment or something you know in our first or second year we were trying to get the 24 down apartment because you know that up until maybe one of your years the 24 down apartment were people not part of 24 down they were all crappy guys not cool guys they would just do whatever and um and but we could never get an apartment uh, so we just stayed at 24 and just made it the best we could. That's awesome. I, I, I ask that question because I have a follow-up once we get to the 24 down section. And I just kind of wanted to set the stage of knowing you were at 24 your whole uh, Valley Forge career. And so we'll get to that. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a few of the questions right now uh, that were asked because some of these are more related to 
your current life, your life after Valley Forge. Um, so one of these, uh, let's see, here's a good one. This is from um, Andrew Kindler. Uh, and actually, Mikey Vieira asked almost the exact same question. So um, they wanted to know if being part of 24 Down helped prepare you for being in ministry. That's a good question. Um, first off, uh, Mikey, Andrew, love you guys. Thanks for the question. Um, uh, yes, I, I think it did prepare me in, in a couple of ways, and I'm going to try to think of them off off the top of my head, um, it, it really taught me what community was. Um, and it, it taught me that, um, like, you know, Valley Forge is semi nice campus, but not really. It's kind of run down. It's kind of crappy. My, my wife went to um, Widener University 40 minutes away from Valley Forge. And her campus was immaculate, beautiful. They had the money, all that stuff. But she had a horrible time there because of the people that were there and how the people treated her. And she was trying to be a Christian young woman. And she had everyone around her saying this and that and going to parties and whatever, throwing up in her lap pretty much after being drunk, all this stuff, right? So I say all that because our, our campus in 24 down the building was not immaculate, was not beautiful. However, I had the best four years of my life at Valley Forge because of where I lived and because of who I knew. It was because of the people. I think back, and when I was trying to think of this to prepare, all that comes back to me is being on that floor in that building, being outside that building, being in the gym, being with the people of 24 Down, doing the things that we did, going to dinner, all that stuff. And I don't really think a lot of the classes I took, even though they prepared me, they trained me. I don't really think of anything else, even chapels. All I really think of is people telling us, hey, you're not praying enough. You're not reading the Bible enough. So every once in a while, you'll get a good preaching. But I, I there was just so many amazing things that happened at 24 down. And I think it taught me community. It taught me that community is not made of people that you just get to hand pick. It's pretty much who God puts in your life. And God put these people in my life for four years. Some people went in and out, but um, it just showed me that, and it doesn't matter. And, you know, I come from Yonkers where it's, it's very diverse culturally and ethnically and everything, but at 24 down, it didn't matter what background you came from. It didn't matter if you were a little weird, like Adam, remember Adam? <laughs> uh, and, and a couple other people, like we just accepted you. Yeah, maybe we'll make fun of you a little, but hey, you know, you're part of the joke, you know? And, um, and we just accepted everyone. There was even this guy, Adam's roommate, that just smelled like B.O. and pizza. He got Domino's every night. Uh, we accepted him too, like everyone. So it was about acceptance. It was about friendship. It was about community. And I think it really did teach me to accept people as they are, because that's how Jesus accepts us as well. Yes, after we come to him, he does a little change here and there with the Holy Spirit, but, you know, he accepts us as we are at first. And that's what we did at 24 Down. That's what I try to do here at church as well. Awesome. Um, two other, I guess, somewhat uh, non, I mean, they start, still are 24 Down related, but um, the, the first one is is another question from Mike. Mike had a a bunch of questions. He had a series of questions. So I'm, I'm just pulling these out in different orders. But another question for Mike was, he wanted to know if you had any off the top of your head encouraging words for the 24 down people and family, you know. Yeah, yeah man, I, I would say this because, you know, some people 
may feel like they're being judged or maybe that they should be judged or something. But, you know, um, we all went to Valley Forge for different reasons. Some of us went for ministry reasons. Some of us went for other reasons. And maybe we graduated or we didn't graduate and we're out in the world now. And what I would say is, you know, don't let anyone look down on you. Um, you know, God has a plan for you. He's, he's, he's doing things in your life. As long, you know, as we're in his hands, I believe that, you know, God has a plan, man, and God's going to work it out. Because I also, I used to think in high school and even in college, like I, I, you know, I never had sex until I was married. Uh, but me and my girlfriend, we were together since 10th grade. So we did have some, you know, hardcore makeout sessions and such, you know, and um, I remember going to, in ninth grade, I remember going to a guy named Frank, who was a senior. Um, this is like before your guys' time where we actually had something called uh, life groups. And it was our life group leader or something. And I went to him in the first like month of school because I was still, you know, falling into sin. And I put, you know, air quotes up, falling into sin. And, you know, whenever I would go see my girlfriend, we would make out and all this stuff, right? And get like really close to having sex, but we didn't. Um, and I always felt like God was just going to pull the rug out from under me and say, that's it. I gave you so many chances and I, I'm not going to give you any more chances. The vision I have for you, the mission I have for you, the plan I have for your life is over and that's it. And I was so fearful of that from high school to college. Then I got out of college. I still was fearful of that. I thought maybe my wife will leave me. Maybe we won't be able to have kids. Had three beautiful kids. Became a youth pastor, children's pastor, then a senior pastor. Still not a perfect human being. And God had better plans than I even thought he had. Because I thought I was going to be working with kids forever. Not that that's a bad thing. But now I'm a senior pastor and I see that I'm still not perfect. But God had an amazing plan for me, and he, he has an amazing plan for each of us, for you, Josh, for everyone at 24 Down, and um, it's just so awesome. So if you think you're in a hard place right now, maybe it's a place you don't uh, want to be in or a place that you don't think God wants you to be in, it's all for a purpose, and he's working something in your life. He's working something out, and um, something awesome is going to come about. You know, we're not always going to be obedient to him. We're not always going to be faithful, but he is always faithful to us, and he is always there with us no matter if we're sinning or not sinning. You know, he's always there, and what I found out was that I'm the only one that can really postpone what God wants me to do uh, for him. But he still has that plan. My entire life on this earth, he's going to have that plan. And all I got to do is try to follow that plan uh, the best I could. And yeah, there's going to be some bumps in the road, mainly because of me. Um, but he is not going to pull that rug under me. Um, he's going to try to get me on track every single day. So same thing for everyone else. That's awesome, man. <clears throat> um... I mean, while we're going at it, I, I guess we might as well just turn this into the, the question segment. I'm going to do um, one more that, that was more on the, on the serious end of things, um, and then we'll get to all, all the fun ones. And, and I'm sure you saw this one because this was on uh, Facebook, the Facebook group, I believe. The long paragraph from, from Big Rick. Um, so I'll just go over it. And, and there's quite a few questions. Some of the stuff you've already touched on. Um, so I guess I'll just read it and then you answer however you want to answer. You don't have to hit everything, you know, whatever. So um, Rick said, since you're in New York, how's the pandemic tested your faith? How has it allowed your mindset to reimagine how to communicate during such a crazy time? 
what would you do differently knowing what you do now? How's the first week of June impacted you and your family and advice on how we can all do better? Have you and your family experienced any issues with police or racism living in Yonkers? And then he ends with, he misses you and he loves you, watches you all the time on Facebook, the Clydesdale baby. Um, and he said on a, on a lighter note, um, Buddha is actually the first person to ever talk to him at VFC, VFCC. Uh, and he always appreciated him wanting to talk to Rick. Um, Rick said he remembered he went through a bad breakup his second year there and you heard him crying pretty hard in his room and asked what was wrong. He said that you talked to him, encouraged him to talk to Dr. Hall. And he said, you might not remember that, or, you know, all those things or whatever, but he's really glad that God put you guys together on that campus. So a lot yeah. to unpack there and I guess take however you, you know, the Clydesdales. That's uh, <laughs> kind of how Rick used to say it, man. Yo, Rick was, Rick is a, a great guy, man. Um, this uh, awesome guy, uh, good heart. Um, you know, not because of his size, but he he reminds me of um, of Chris Farley a little bit. You know, a uh, very funny guy out there. He actually did Chris Farley in high school. Um, and also, but he also had a very soft heart and not negative, but he's, he's very sensitive as well. So, um, you know, it was easy for me and him to talk about those things. And I remember the first conversation because I, I believe he came in as a January student, uh, like a spring semester student. And, um, so it's hard to come in in the middle because everyone is, you know, doing stuff, you know, the last semester and then a new person gets thrown into it. I think he came in January, maybe he came in September. I can't remember too well, but he, um, I remember that first conversation we had, um, and it, it was a great conversation and just, just letting him know that, Hey man, I'm here for you. And 24 down is, is a different place than everywhere around here. It's, it's, you know, we're, we're, this is how we are. We accept you. And after having that conversation, he opened up a lot to me and to everyone else. And it was really awesome. Um, so, so yeah, the New York, uh, pandemic and faith, I would say that, you know, my, my faith has been strengthened more in God. Um, and oh, we were talking before, um, we, we were one of the first churches that decided to close. And then there, um, you know, in March, um, seeing everything that was happening, you know, my wife is a nurse. Um, we have, a, we have a, um, a doctor on, um, our board <clears throat> here at the church. So, um, and then our unanimously, our board said, Hey, we need to close. Uh, we're not only about spiritual health, we're also about physical health and mental health. So we need to make sure that <clears throat> we close and we keep people uh, safe. So we did that. And uh, thankfully, no one got sick from going to church um, at our church and no one died from our church as well. Uh, we know people from our church that know of people that have gotten sick and died and we were there for them and everything. But uh, we chose to do a wise thing and not a dumb thing because some people will say, you know what, I have so much faith in God, we're going to have church no matter what. And some churches did that. There was a pastor, I believe in Virginia, that said, we're going to be here next week and the next week until I'm in the grave or somewhere else. And in two, three weeks, he got the virus and died. So, you know, you got to be careful, man. You got to be careful with people's physical lives and spiritual lives. So um, it was a big thing. New York got hit hard. I live in Yonkers, which is part of Westchester County in New York. And we got hit the hardest in Westchester County. New Rochelle was the first hotbed in, in America, um, uh, other than Seattle. 
and um and that's that's a neighboring our neighboring city to be anchors so we were like this is big this is real let's close down so we closed down and uh i was kind of feeling good about it and also bad we started to do our live streaming videos of our services and we went to zoom um and google duo with our small groups and we were still doing kids church on zoom as well and so we brought mostly everything that we were doing onto uh, the internet and we weren't doing everything on the internet before um and now it kind of forced us to do it we started off with a crappy live stream on facebook or youtube from my crappy laptop and then it evolved into if you go on you could see it now into a pre-recorded service uh with all the bells and whistles and we're still learning but i had to learn all that myself so this pandemic made me learn more how to do things digitally and on the internet and uh get people alongside me because we couldn't get a lot of people it was two people that are working with me instead of you know 100 people working with me um but it was just it, it forced us to do a lot so i really did learn from that um i'm looking here so so yeah how it's affected my family um like i said it was pretty good at first uh you know my wife was upset about it school was closed down like I said, I have two school age children and I have an almost two year old toddler. Um, so, and usually we would have my dad or someone, a family member come and watch the kids sometimes uh, during the week, once or twice a week. We, we lost that because we said we, at the beginning, we said, we don't know how this virus is acting. So we can't let people in our house and get them sick or get our kids sick. We can't have that. People are dying. And actually, you know, sad point, one of my uh, my, my aunt and another, uh, another one of our family members, an uncle, they passed away from the coronavirus. So we saw that this was real. So we didn't want to get my parents sick. We didn't want them to get my, my kids sick. We don't know who's going to the store and not washing properly, all that stuff. So we didn't have any childcare. We didn't have anybody watching our kids. So it was all on us. And at this point, at first, I kind of liked it. I liked being home. But at this point, I am so tired and stressed and need a vacation but there's nowhere to go on vacation so we're just about sick of it at this point i did kind of like it before but we're sick of it now but school is coming to an end so we won't have to do that homeschooling we'll get to have more fun with the kids we got a small backyard where we can play cool thing is i live in a three-family house and we live there my brother and his wife live on uh, on the other side of us and on the bottom is my mom and dad so we're all together so it's pretty cool um, so yeah, um, but my kids are just about done with this. They want to see their friends. They want to go back to school, but they're not teenagers. So we can kind of control them a little more. Um, so they haven't seen their friends. It's really sad, except on zoom. Um, so police and racism, um, there hasn't been too many cases of police, police brutality in Yonkers and Westchester. However, most of the Yonkers police are white, <laughs> Irish, things like that. Um, we don't come up against a lot of it, but there is systemic racism, you know, within this the entire country. Um, I'm preaching about it. I'm in a, a three-week series um, on, you know, bridging the gap on race, racial um, justice, bringing about racial justice, racial reconciliation. Uh, I'm a white Puerto Rican. Uh, most people just think I'm white, but I'm also Puerto Rican. Uh, I identify more as white because I'm 75% Italian. But, um, you know, I grew up in Yonkers and everyone was my friend. Everyone. It didn't matter what color you were. It's just how we grew up. My parents brought me up like that. 
Uh, that's how I was able to marry a black woman and not care that she was black, just looking at her character and who she is and how she treated me and others. Um, so yeah, we have a long way to go. And I think now is the time where white people who are the majority in this country have to step up and stand with black and brown people. I believe that, you know, the church has to stand with black and brown people, especially, I know you're in the Midwest, but especially in the Midwest and in the South, because in the South is where it's the worst. In the Midwest, you, know, you don't have a lot of black people except for the cities. So there's some white people that have never seen a black person, uh, that have never seen a Hispanic person, maybe a Mexican person, they're everywhere, they work really hard. Um, but, uh, you know, we got to start loving, we have to bring people together. And I, I was in one, I was in my first protest ever. I marched uh, a week ago, a week and a half ago, and it was a prayer protest. It was with a bunch of pastors and churches. And, um, you know, it was great to see black people, brown people and white people all come together, even the Samsungs of the world and Josh Lee's as well. We need to see more of them out there. But um, it was really, um, it was really an awesome thing. So I think things are going to get better. It's not just going to take a month. It's not just going to take a year. It's, it has to be a, a gradual change, but I see, uh, you know, Governor Cuomo of New York, he's making a lot of changes. He's a Democrat. I'm not a Democrat or Republican. I'm an independent. And I try not to preach politics, but I feel like he's a really awesome guy. Um, and he's he's doing a lot of good stuff. And he's not doing it politically. He's doing it because it's the right thing to do. Um, so thank God for that. Um, but yeah, man, and the Clydesdales, man, um, me and Rick, bro. And then we had Neil. <laughs> we were like the best uh, O-line. It was, it was awesome in football, man. Those were some good days. Awesome. Awesome. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, that, that's all very good and very informative. And, and uh, <clears throat> I definitely, I appreciate your take on, on a lot of that stuff. I know, like me personally, with, the, with everything that's going on right now, COVID aside, with everything else that's going on, like I personally have just kept my mouth shut because quite frankly, I, it, it's not my place to, I feel like it's not my place to have an opinion necessarily. It's not my place to um, give my opinion. If I, you know, had one, I'm really just trying to personally sit back, learn, think of things outside of the box of what I grew up and what I knew growing up and everything like that. And, and I mean, there's, there's a lot, but I, I do see, is you know, as much negative and bad things are there are, you know, I see good things as well. And and I I really hope that that trend continues and I don't know. I just I appreciate your take on it. I think it was very well thought out. So Yeah, man, because I think just real quick, like, you know, as as white people, um it's hard to uh look at another point of view if you don't, you know, hear that point of view. Um the way that I kind of get empathy for, you know, minorities is by going on social media and seeing what they're saying, but also, like you said, educating yourself. And also I was trying, I was, I was sitting back too for about a week after this happened. And then my wife came to me and I, I see these things on Facebook saying like, yo, your, your, your silence is, is deafening. And they're not saying it to me specifically, but I felt like it was being said to me. I'm like, oh my gosh, man, what the heck do I say though? I don't even know what to say because if I say something, I'm going to um, offend someone and then I'm going to be called a racist probably. And my wife was like, you know, without us even talking about it, she was like, you need to say something. You're a pastor. You're in Yonkers. You're obviously not racist, but people don't know that. You need to say something. I said, oh shoot, what do I say? And she said, write something and send it to me and I'll let you know if it's okay. Obviously she's black, so she wouldn't know. 
Um, so I sent it to her. She sent it back. She said, that's good. I put it out there and it's one of my best like posts uh, other than my kids' pictures. You know what I mean? So it's like, okay, I said something. And then every other day I'll put something out because um, they, uh, you know, they need to know that we're with them because if we don't say we're with them, then they think that we're not with them and we're against them. And I know that a lot of white people are like, no, how can you say that? But that's how they feel. And you can't say you shouldn't feel like that. It's not based on facts. Well, it is based on facts from the, the past, but it's really based on feeling right now as well. So it's hard to say you can't feel like that. They feel like that right now, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, <clears throat> I, I agree with, you know, a lot of what you said. And, and one thing that stuck out to me too is, um, and I'm not trying to make this political at all, so, so we don't have to stay on this too long, but um, it, is, it is something that's important. And I'm sure a lot of people are wanting to hear different takes on things. But I know one thing you said that really stuck out to me that I kind of started to do was same thing. Like I started to just look at what other people were saying and take everything I know, everything that I've lived in my life, just erase it and put my try as best as I can, which I would never be able to do, but as best I can to put myself in that situation and say, okay, I can understand why this is being said. And, and I think that's a, that's a great thing to do is just open up your mind and, and really just hear what other people are saying. You know, maybe you don't agree with them, maybe you won't, but that doesn't mean you can't take the time to listen to people and really listen to them and value what they say from their perspective. And, and I think that's a big thing. So. That's awesome. Um, so let's see, we'll, we'll continue with these, these questions here. Um, thankfully you kind of covered this one, Matt Baldwin, you, if you want to give him a shout out or whatever, but you covered this one. He wanted to know if you could do the Carlos scream as loud as you can, but you opened with that. So, um. Carlos! Yeah, man, <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you right now, those were the, funnest scariest times when we would do stuff like that i know you were part of some of those man where all of a sudden we just listen listen we don't hate you carlos if you're listening we don't hate you we just love getting under your skin and we knew we were getting under your skin especially josh knew that he knew how to get under your skin it was the funniest thing to see we're sorry we love you but we had to do it and we have great memories because of it but we would do stuff like just it's one, two o'clock in the morning. We're sitting around just whispering, having a good time outside. And then all of a sudden we were just like, yo, let's knock on Carlos's door. And so we get someone to bang on his door and then we all go inside our rooms and slam the doors and we don't open them. He's knocking on everyone's door. No one's opening it. It's so freaking hilarious. And then one time we actually like got like 10 or 15 people lined up in front of his door. It was like, like like the scariest thing and someone knocked on his door and i think we all yelled carlos and we just ran into our rooms and, uh, and do you remember when you and uh when you and junior were together and you guys would bang on the ceiling and then he came in he's like yo what was that guys what was that and be like yeah we heard it too we don't know and junior's just up there he's like yo and then he would come back he's like you know what i think it is it's the plumbing it's the plumbing. I'm going to call the RD right now and he's going to come over. And I think they actually came and inspected it. It was so funny, but it was just junior banging on the ceiling <laughs> from the top bunk. It was hilarious. So, so two things with that one, I, I, I very vividly remember at one point, I think, and again, I agree with you. Like I, I owe Carlos the most apologies of anybody. And if he, he is was two years, yeah. two years, right? RA. Yeah. I want like, I owe him so many apologies 
And it, I don't know if he listens or not. I do want to get Carlos on here. Um, so if he ever hears this, first of all, I am sorry. This is not the only time I will say I'm sorry. But with, with that said, I remember very specifically with the pounding on the ceiling, at one point he was convinced that it was people on the roof, which was hilarious because the roof for 24 down was the floor of 24 up. 24 there, would, up. <laughs> there would be no roof there. And then the other, the other thing with the pounding on the door, and, and it happened quite a few times, but the, the most memorable time for me was you got everybody together. You're like, hey, hey, guys, like, come here, come here. It was like late at night. And you're like, I guys, I got to show you something. And you literally got like almost the whole floor and we're no idea what's going to about to happen. Like we think you have to tell us something. So here's 15, 20 of us, like right outside Carlos's room. And all of a sudden you're like, okay, okay. And you just pounded on his door and ran. And we are all like, oh man, what do we do? <laughs> so like, then we all had to run. Like you got us, you know, <laughs> with that. Like that's my most memorable one of many times we knocked on Carlos's door. <laughs> that was great. And then I think after that, that's when we would like line up and stuff and everything and do that because that, it seems just so immature, but just, it's like pure fun. We didn't hurt anyone. You know, maybe we woke him up, but we didn't hurt anyone. It was pure fun. And that's the kind of stuff that I tried to do at Valley Forge where it's like, okay, we're not a secular university where we don't like party and stuff and do all the things that other colleges do. But we were like the frat house at Valley Forge. Like the culture there was like that. And like, like Andrew was saying, we kind of had an unspoken open door policy. There was only like one or two other rooms on our floor where people didn't keep their door open or lock the door. Where people would even like keep their door open sometimes at night when they're sleeping. But that would open you up for pranks and stuff with people getting in your bed. But like people just left their doors open and it was just an amazing thing that you can go into anyone's room and strike up a conversation. You would only leave people alone if it looked like they were having an important conversation or like praying or something like that. But like it was just always just there was always someone there to talk to, to have fun with, to go to a meal with. It was just awesome. Yeah. Um, so this one, again, you, you can decide whether you want to do this or not. And it's, it's in the similar vein. Matthias wanted to know if you could do the girl scream. Oh man. I haven't <laughs> done that in a long time, man. Um, that was pretty crazy. Like just out of nowhere, just doing the girl scream. Um, let me try it. <clears throat> I, I, I may be able to do it. That's that, that's that's as that's as loud as I can get it right now. It was louder way back when, but yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so Colleen said she didn't have a question for you, but she wanted to say that she missed you and, and hope you're doing well. Hey, I miss her too. She, she's awesome, man. Um, she's cool because, like, you know, obviously I had a girlfriend and everything at school. And obviously, you know, you have a girlfriend, you have a wife. Other people are, you know, pretty and attractive. And she was definitely one of the attractive ones on Valley Forge's campus. Um, and um, I, I know that uh, you were with her for a little bit, right? And then <laughs> I had many questions for you one night when I found that out. Do you remember? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, but no, nah, she's, uh, she's awesome. Uh, your son is a uh, handsome, beautiful kid, man. And, um, uh, you know, keep on, keep on following God. You're awesome. Um, so we got, I still got quite a few questions from Mike. Um, I got two different questions from junior. So I'll, I'll do one of junior's questions right now. 
I'm just kind of going all over the place to mix these up. So this is coming from Junior. He said, um, on several occasions, Mr. Josh Hatmaker attempted and successfully executed scare pranks on you. He said videos to be shared with the world soon. What about your childhood impacted you so much to scare so easily? Okay, man. That's a great question because I didn't remember that you used to scare me, but now it's kind of coming back to me. Uh, maybe you could share a story because I'm trying to rack my memory. However, I am. So I try to tell people that I'm not a punk. I try to tell people I'm not a scaredy cat. However, I do startle very easily. I, I, I get startled very easily. So even if I know you're there, um, you can really, you could still scare me. And my roommates did this, you know, Nate and Pete, they would hide in the room. My, my, like Nate and Pete, they were my, you know, really good friends, but they were uh, my roommates in, in my senior year and their senior year as well. And uh, I think, was it, was it room 17, the big room all the way at the end? Yep. And uh, so we were in there and I was really trying to graduate. And so I would go to the library every night. And so I would come back real late, maybe, you know, when the library closed at 11 or 12, whenever it was, or maybe 10, I can't remember when it closed. So I would be coming back and I would see, I would, they would be texting me, Hey man, when you come back thinking that they're asking so we can hang out or something. But then I figured out after a couple of weeks, they're asking me when I'm coming home so they can turn off the lights. And so they can scare me. They're going to think, you know, so after a while, them scaring me, I would, I would, you know, look for their cars on the way back, say, okay, they're in there. I'm not even going to go in the room. So I let them just wait there. But I know you scared me as well. So I think it has to come from maybe just the way I am, but also because I grew up with two brothers, no, no sisters, two brothers and me, so three boys. And that's what we would do. We would scare each other. We had an upstairs and a downstairs. So when whoever was the last one upstairs or downstairs always got scared. Um, my kids do it to us now. My kids scare me, and they know about me getting startled and they scare me all the time. Um, my wife, when I'm doing dishes at night and washing bottles, um, she'll come up behind me, don't even say anything. And I'm like, well, what are you doing? And, and she's like, I didn't do anything. And there's a smirk on her face, you know? So I get startled very, very easily. I think it's probably because me and my brothers used to do it all the time. My brothers are, get startled easy too, but they're not punks either. So, so as far as, as far as what, like I would, do to you most of the time because i don't know if you remember i used to have like all these different masks like i had the the scream mask i had the scary movie three version of the scream mask i had a jigsaw mask i had the one like just black mask so a lot of times like i would just put them on and like kind of same thing like run up to you and just try and spook you the the one i remember in particular i think it was your senior year and it was at the start of your senior year and you were coming back so it was like you were driving from new york and we saw you pulling up and so here you come in and you start to unload stuff so junior and i went after you came in with one load we went out to your car because your trunk was still open and we kind of like hid in your trunk or right outside your trunk so when you came back to get the next load it just like popped up at you uh i don't know why that one sticks out to me but that's that's one i for sure remember I think there's just I think there's just too many that they all just blend up into one. But I remember you guys got me really good because you you don't even need to try, but you guys tried, and that really scared me a lot more. Definitely. <laughs> all right. So this on uh, this question is from uh, Phil Anderson, one of those terrible flag burners. Um, 
He said, would you ever consider appearing in WrestleFest, giving your wrestling experience? Do you know what WrestleFest is? No, you gotta tell me. So WrestleFest is something that uh, myself and Phil and Alex started about, well, six years ago now. So we go to Boston. That's where Phil, Phil still lives in Boston. Alex is still in Pennsylvania. And we go there and it started off with the three of us and their two cousins. And we basically put on a backyard wrestling show called WrestleFest. So we had WrestleFest one and two and three. And like Francis and Gene have like come um, within the, our federation. Matias has been on. We had one where like we were, we actually did one in Pennsylvania. So like Andrew was able to show up, you know. Um, so it's basically, it's all on YouTube. I, I could send you the links after if you want to watch them, but it's, it's kind of like our 24 down wrestling, but like stepped up a little more because we have a ring and we tell like long drawn out stories and we, our entrances are crazy and stuff like that. So. Um, okay. Um, I think, I think I would, if I didn't have kids, um, I got to see the videos because I got, you know, if, if it's a step up, you know, we didn't get hurt that much at Valley Ford wrestling, but, um, uh, send me the videos and then I can give you an answer. But then, and on, on the other hand, um, Phil and what's the other guy's name? Alex, right? Yep. Phil and Alex. I remember Alex. Alex is the really skinny one or is, is Phil skinny as well? They're both they were both. Guys. Yeah, they were both skinny. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I think I remember Alex a lot. Now, here's the thing with them. They did the flag burning and I was so mad at them about that and everyone that was involved. That really like hurt bad. And then I think like the next couple months or next year, like they befriended some of you guys and stuff. But for the old guys, the OGs, man, um, me, P, not not really P. P can't even you know hate anyone. But you know Nate, uh, we just we just despise them for that, bro. And there, there's whenever I see them around twenty four down stuff, it, it's still in my heart and mind. Like I just like it just it hurts. There's that hurt. But um, there's always room for forgiveness, you know what I mean? So I'm going through forgiveness with them right now, I guess. Um, so <laughs> I, I do forgive you guys. It looks like you guys are pretty much a part of 24 down, even though I left that. Did they, did they actually move on to the floor? So, the here's, so here's what happened. So here, I'll give you kind of a, a quick overview, and I guess everybody listening a quick overview, because <clears throat> also on top of that, as part of the 24 down podcast, um, I'm announcing this now. There is plans that one of the future episodes is literally just going to cover the whole flag thing, uh, everything that happened, everything detailed. And like, I might have multiple people on and, and whatnot, but it's literally going to be an episode all about, because that was such a huge, huge event, but quick little, I guess, uh, background to prep everybody for that episode whenever it does come and to give you some insight. So they, they did the whole flag thing or whatever. And, uh, they got, they got kicked out of Valley Forge. Um, now there was some other reasons they got kicked out, but that was a, that was part of the main thing. So they got kicked out and couldn't finish the school year or anything like that. So Phil, uh, left, he just never came back. Well, Alex, the year after, decided he was going to come back. And when he decided to come back, they told him, yeah, you're going to be moving into 24 down. He didn't choose that. They put him in 24 down. 
So I remember I'm driving back to school that year and I get a call from Mike and he's, you know, I'm probably an hour, two hours away from school. Mike's like, you're never going to believe who they put in our floor. And I'm like, who? He's like, Alex Anderson. And I literally felt my foot like on the gas pedal go all the way to the floor. I'm like, I need to get there immediately. And I was like, for the first week or two, I mean, I, I was just giving him like the dirtiest looks like you're on my floor now. Like we got you now, you know, that kind of a thing. So he was living. Did you meet, um, do you ever meet Murph? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that was the year that Murph came to college too. Um, so he was living with Murph. Him and Murph were in rooms. And obviously I knew Murph previously through Tom. Mm-hmm. And so Murph pulled me aside one day and he was like, Hey man, he's like, I just want to let you know for whatever it's worth, like Alex is actually a pretty cool guy. And in my head, I'm like, No, he's not. No, he's not. He's not a cool guy. He's like, and, and another thing is like, he's really big into wrestling. And I was like, all right, maybe I'll give this guy a shot. Like he's into wrestling. And so that's how Alex and I's like, I went up and I was like, I'm going to give this guy the benefit of the doubt. We're going to talk some wrestling. And we just like him, Alex and I got hooked. So from that point on, Alex became one of my, like throughout the next you know few years, Alex became one of my best friends. Even after college, um, I was living in Pennsylvania for another three and a half years after college. And the people I hung out with the most were Francis, Gene, and Alex. I mean, Alex was a regular part of my life. Um, I remember the first time he brought me to hang out with Phil after like Alex and I were cool. I was like, well, I still don't know if I'm cool with Phil. So I went to like hang out at Phil's apartment and same thing. I was like, I don't know about this guy. And then very quickly we actually went over there to watch WrestleMania and I was like, all right, this guy's great too. So like wrestling kind of like bonded us and like, we've covered a lot of things um, on previous podcasts that they have um, with the flag gate. And I think that explains some stuff like I would say definitely know that when there is a flag episode, Alex is for sure going to be a part of that. Phil likely will be a part of it as well. And hearing their side of it, I think it'll make you think a little bit differently. Like I get where you're coming from because trust me, I was there. I think if I remember when we found out who it was, uh, Todd was one of the guys and he lived in 24 up. And I, I, I remember like here, I'm like probably the smallest guy in 24 down. And I was like the first one that wanted to be up and like on the floor, knocking at his door, you know? So I remember that like feeling of just hurt and like just hatred and everything like that. Hearing, hearing their version of things, it makes things different. Um, and, and so, yeah, so that'll be, I guess something to look forward to. <laughs> but that, it was just like, it was just, it was like something that you would see on like one of those Disney shows for like tweens and teenagers. Like they stole our flag and peed on it and, and all this stuff. Did they pee and, and, and like uh, put it on fire? What did they do? I can't remember. They, they lit it on fire and, and they made it look like they peed on it. But I, I've, I think if I remember correctly, they didn't actually pee on it. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But yo, man, that was so, and didn't they have like deep voices and stuff too? Yeah. They like masked their, they masked their voices and it was one kid, Josh Davies, whose laugh, you you can mask his laugh, but his laugh is his laugh. And like, so we didn't know who it was, except we knew it was him. And we went on his MySpace at the time. And sure enough, the night before the night that the flag got stolen, it said, 
Josh Davies became friends with Phil Anderson, Alex Anderson, Brian Crow. And this was like, oh, okay, so now we know who it was, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely interesting to hear. I think that episode's gonna be a lot of fun. Like I said, it is, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna take time putting that together, um, getting a lot of people's takes and piecing it together. But that's that's gonna be a good one. So that's gonna be cool. I remember like the song and everything, whenever I hear it today, it takes me right back to them bro it's crazy i see the flames on that myspace page and everything that was crazy bro <laughs> um all right so let me i got uh just a few more questions um i got the a few more questions from mike and one more from junior so um i will rapid fire through mike's questions because he still has four more and i know we still want to get into 24 down stories so um what is and, and some of this is going to bleed into 24 down stories so if you want to uh, answer any of these questions later because you have a specific story, feel free to say, hey, I'm going to pass that one for now because I'm going to get back to it. So first question he's got is, what, what is your favorite memory of 24 Down? Oh, man. Um, I, I, I can't just pick one, but if I have to, I, I, oh, man. Um, I don't know. I think, I think one of my favorite memories, is, is almost like an everyday memory um and that is just the camaraderie and just caring about each other for the most part in that it you know breakfast people slept in for breakfast or had classes during breakfast so breakfast wasn't a thing um mostly but like for lunch and especially dinner it was like yo you going to dinner yo you going to dinner yo you going to lunch and like we would just take up an entire huge like 20 foot table and just be all around and it was just awesome. Even if you weren't talking to someone, there was just like communication all over and you just felt, even if you weren't talking to someone, you felt part of something. You felt part of a big community. There wasn't just guys there. There was girls. The, the worst thing would be getting there late and you had to sit at the table next and just looking on or something, but like just sitting all together, eating together, being together um, among this, you know, you know, small college, but you know, 800 people. Um, and it was just, you know, we had family. It was just like a family feel like, I, I, like I missed my family a little bit. I missed my, my girlfriend the most, but like I hardly missed my family because I had family at 24 down, you know, and it spilled over into, you know, other dorms. People just loved us and became, you know, 24 down, you know, adjacent, I guess, or something. And we had the girls of 24 and, it was just, it was just awesome. Just that community, just feeling part of something and being able to, I know some people were upset that I left on weekends my last two years, but it was, it was for a job that now I'm, you know, I'm running the church now, which is awesome. I'm leading it, but um, you know, just having something to come back to uh, was very, very nice. And, and being there with everyone, I would say, you know, the meals that we shared together and just the camaraderie and the community. Nice. Um, so another, another question Mike's got, um, he wants to know what has and has not changed about you. Okay. So, um, I, I think I have gotten a little more mature. Um, I take things a little more seriously, especially at church. Um, like, uh, it's sad, but like at times I treat the church a little better than I treat my own house. Like 
my house is a wreck because I have three kids and it's hard to keep it clean. But like at church, like things need to be in place. I'm kind of a perfectionist at church, but definitely not at home. Um, uh, I still love to laugh. I still love, you know, to uh, do funny things and silly things and act childish and everything like that. Uh, but I do it a lot less. And also I have less fun these days because um, I'm ahead of a family and I'm ahead of a church and a lot of people are looking to me. So there's a lot of stress, a lot of stress. Um, you know, in, in college, you know, not many people know my weight, but in college I was about, I fluctuated between 300 and 320. So big guy, obviously all my life, I was 320 in high school by eighth grade, pretty much. Um, and, you know, but I played a lot of sports. I had some muscle on me. I put a lot of muscle on in college. Um, but then in college, I was eating so much. I didn't gain any weight because I was doing so much. So I was eating so much food and I was, I was, you know, playing football and basketball and working out. And then after college, man, I kept on the, the same eating pattern, but I wasn't doing everything else. Cause now I was working. I was a teacher. I was a youth, I was a children's pastor. And so I went up to like 350, 360, 365, and then I lost. I went, I went down to like 270, and then I went back up to 360, and then I became the pastor, and so much stress, I got like almost up to like 400. It's crazy, man, like all the stress eating, I guess, and stuff. But um, so that has changed. I definitely got to lose some weight. <laughs> that's, that's number one. Um, there's, there's other things, I guess. Um, I mean, being a dad, you're, you're in charge of, you know, three little lives. So you have to like really grow up fast and be really responsible. So I had to be really responsible. I mean, you know, my wife, she gets on me sometimes, but you know, dads are supposed to be adventurous and risk takers. So we do some fun stuff. You know, my, my wife thinks, you know, swinging on a swing and jumping from it at a park is the most dangerous thing. But I think that's nothing, you know, um, you know, so definitely still have the sense of humor. Um, I was, I was very extroverted inside 24 and with 24 down but I was introverted outside and I still would say that today that I'm, I'm more introverted than anything I'm a shy guy I don't really like to meet new people because it brings a lot of anxiety in me um, but when I when I trust people that's when I can really show who I really am and I have to say at 24 down that that's who Vincent Buddha was and that's who Vincent Buddha is and I can't I can't share that with many people in my life anymore I don't have a lot of friends um, just because I'm at the top and at the top it's lonely. Um, so even other pastor friends, I can't even be friends with like AG pastors because they're so, so friggin' prideful, bro. And arrogant. Um, I'm, I get along better with, you know, black and Hispanic people from non AG churches um, because they're so humble. Um, and, you know, you're not really supposed to call yourself humble if you are humble, but I try to be a humble guy and I can't, I can't stand pride. Uh, so it's very hard to find new friends, man. Um, so those are some things that have changed and not changed, but um, I still love to have fun, man. I don't play as much sports as I do as I did in college. I wish I could, I wish I had more time, but really it's changed over into like taking care of my family. I'm home with my kids over 60, 65% of the time because my wife is a nurse and she works, you know, 12, 13 hour days. And um, so I'm home with the kids mostly. I got a regular hour job, so I'm home with them. But I got to take care of them. I got to take care of the church. And also I'm trying to, you know, transform the city, Yonkers, you know. 
So it's, it's a lot. I put a lot on my shoulders. People are really not putting it on my shoulders. I'm kind of putting it on me. But um, I just really feel like God has a lot for me in this city. So I try to work really hard for it. Cool. All right. So a few, few more, a uh, few more questions. And I, and I think these ones will be a, a little bit quicker answers because there's not too, too much to them, but they're, they're fun regardless. Um, so this is another, another one from Mikey. He said, are you still, are you still watching wrestling? And at this stage of your life, if God called you into the wrestling mission field, what would be your wrestling name? All right. So I, I, you know, I was a fan of wrestling. And then when, you know, I met you and stuff, I kind of got into it a little more again. And we were doing the wrestling thing. Every once in a while, if it's on TV, I'll watch like 15, 20 minutes of it or something. But I'm not a big fan. After, after The Rock, you know, you know kind of left um, and Stone Cold and everything, um, that was like kind of like the era that I was really a big fan. So after they left, and even before that, Ultimate Warrior, Hulk Hogan, all that stuff, after that, I, I kind of, you know, stopped watching. But I was always kind of a, a fan of it. Uh, and then we did our wrestling thing. That was really fun. Um, and I still watch those today. My, 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 my son, he's a fan of No Arms Man, and he just wants to watch it all the time. And, but he doesn't like watching the wrestling because – he, he, instead of a mama's boy, he's a daddy's boy. He loves me. He loves spending time with me. He has like a heart for daddy. Um, so when he watches the wrestling, he thinks that I'm getting beat up by you. And, uh, you know, the twins and everything, right? And uh, he can't take it. He thinks it's real, even though I tell him it's fake. Um, but he, he doesn't like it. My, my daughter loves it because she loves to hate me. She loves to get on me like my wife does and everything. And she just loves to, she's like, oh, you're getting beat up. That's good. And then she'll beat me up, you know? Um, but, um, you know, we still kind of watch it today. Right. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I would get back into wrestling just because I know that it would have to be raised up hill, and I'm not into that, into, you know, getting back pains and, and bruises and going home to my family and saying, I got to lay down and go to sleep because it doesn't matter what I'm doing. I could be building a house. I come home. Oh, uh, I need you to do this. I need you to do that. Like, so I need energy for home. And if I were to come out as a wrestler, I don't know, man, it would just have to be pastor Buddha, man. I don't know. Pastor Buddha all the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> so this one, uh, this one's from junior. And <laughs> I think this is more a shot against me. So he says during the prime of 24 down wrestling, you along with Rick choke slam, podcast host josh hatmaker from the top of a ladder to the very bottom and middle of the 24 hallway with his head bouncing off the ground like a basketball how fulfilling was that experience <laughs> yes man okay so he said at the prime does he mean at the beginning or that was definitely the start the that was the start yeah. I, I i love that video however i hate that part and you yourself edited it and put it over and over and over again. I can only watch it one time because it hurts me because I think you got a concussion that day. I may have. <laughs> I, you were writhing in pain on the floor and Rick kept on elbowing you with this <laughs> friggin' huge, beautiful body. Okay. Um, but that hurt because right before that, I think, or maybe it was after, um, we had the ironing board, the infamous ironing board. And, um, for some reason, either I told him or someone told Junior to lay on it, and then I just jumped on him, and that was the greatest feeling of my life. I didn't even feel that. He felt it, 
but I didn't feel it. And he just went down and he was like, ah, oh, Buddha, what the heck? And um, it was it was great. Um, and then that started, that, that was our table. And uh, we just choke slammed people through that um, and did, you know, some awesome stuff. Um, but yeah, that did hurt me when, when we found out that your head bounced off the floor. That was horrible. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was crazy. I mean, I obviously I got through it, so so that's good. <laughs> um, yeah. All right, so two two more questions. I keep I keep finding questions because, like I said, there's a lot of people that had questions for you, and and if I missed anybody's questions, I apologize. There was literally a ton of them. Um, so two more questions. Uh, this one this one I kind of told you about beforehand, um, just to make sure you were you know okay with it. So so James Majeski wants. Uh, he asked if you're scared that the people of your church will find the icy hot video online. What's up, James? How you doing in dirty Jersey? Um, love you, buddy. I remember James, man. Do you remember when we went um, snow sliding? Yes. And yo, he 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 uh, he he went into a coma, didn't he? And he was outside. Oh, I forgot all about that. Yeah. Bro, he almost died that night. We didn't even know he was with the group, and then he just was not with the group, and somehow I, he made it back. I forgot all about that that part of that night. That was crazy. That was a fun night, though, man. We were stupid. We could have broke our legs, man, our ankles and everything, but it was fun. Um, all right, so um, what was the question again? It was about the prank. Yeah, if you you're if you fear the people from your church finding that video online. Okay, so um, I am proud of that prank so much um, that I don't care who sees it or who judges, judges me for it. And instead of doing all the wild things that college kids usually do all over America, I was putting Icy Hot on a Korean guy's junk. Um, I'm, I'm happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't personally do that. You can watch the video. Maybe Josh can put the link up or something. But um, the thing is, that was a great prank. Me and Justin Banks, we got the lotion, and that was supposed to be our Icy Hot. We brought in Samsung, and uh, we got him to put the Icy Hot on, and we were saying that we're going to do it together. So we did it, he did it, and it was just the funniest thing. Rick's laugh was so funny. And then all of a sudden, I'm graduated, I'm out of college, and people are calling me and my wife asking if we, I ever went to St. John's University. The reason why they're asking if I ever went to St. John's University is because I had a St. John's University red hoodie on in a dorm room doing a prank. Um, but it, my, my little brother went to St. John's University in Queens, and that's how I got that hoodie. And so I was like, no, I've never been to St. John's. What are you talking about? I was like, well, because right now I'm watching you on MTV on a show called Pranks, and I'm watching you put something on a Korean guy's junk. I'm like, wow. And it was people from the church. It was when I was a teacher and some of the teachers were asking and they actually thought it was really funny. And at the time I was only a, a, um, a teacher and, and a children's pastor. But now as a senior pastor, if people saw that now, I wouldn't care. I just wouldn't promote it. I wouldn't put it on my own page and all that stuff. But it was really funny, a really funny prank. I'm proud of that prank, and I stand by it. Well, another thing, and I don't know if you remember this or not, but another thing that came out of that prank, which is a positive in, in my book, is we turned that, we then took that and we turned that into 
like you said, it, 24 down really was the closest thing to a frat within a Christian college that you could get. I've said that before many times. And so we turned that into a um, initiation of sorts, but it was always voluntary. So it wasn't forced on anybody, but we would basically say, Hey, here's the thing. We're about to go do this thing. Anybody that wants to, to be all the new guys. If you want to, if you want to come do this thing with us and it became a thing year after year where we'd take them into the bathroom and then we basically icy hot ourselves. But the great thing was like, we would do it to ourselves also. And it always seemed to get those new guys on board with 24 down. And it was like initiation slash bonding. And it all came from the original prank video. So like, there is a lot of good things that came out of it as well. Yo, yo, bro. Uh, I I only remember one of those. It happened sometime after that prank. And yes, I remember there was about 20 of us in one of our bathrooms. And I was in the middle bathroom, I remember. And I remember we all had our clothes on, but there were guys with all their clothes on, putting the showers on and just watering down their stuff, you know, and there was people hanging from, uh, you know, poles in the bathroom and just yelling out in pain red faces it was like i don't say hell a lot but it was like a house of hell in there but it was just after that it just felt great because icy hot you know you know uh burns and then cools down and like it was like just the greatest time (laughs) (laughs) all right so i think uh one more one more question for you um this one's from francis um and this is this question is going to lead into what I wanted to lead into earlier with asking you how long you were on 24 down. Um, so Francis's question is what was one of your first memories with 24 down as a community and how did it differ from the college experience before that? And I think what he means is um, how did it differ with um, I guess Valley Forge before 24 down became 24 down. Yeah. So yeah, just to start off, and a, a lot of what I had planned, like maybe like half of it, I've already told through these questions. So it's great, great questions. Um, I would say, you know, we di- I didn't know anything about Valley Forge at all until I got there. Obviously, I didn't know Twenty Four Down was a thing or not a thing. But when when I got there, um, there were rumors of when when I would tell people in my start group, in other groups, other people on campus that. Hey, because, you know, everyone asks, hey, how you doing, man? What's your name? And then, yeah, where do you live? Are you on campus? Are you on this? That And then I'll say, yeah, 24 down. And I would say that without thinking anything of it because it was just a sentence. It was just a place to me that, you know, I was, I was given. And they were like, they would either say something like it was the ghetto or they, they would be like, oh, man, I'm sorry, bro. You're in. I'm like, there's nothing wrong with it. I don't know what you're talking about. And they'll be like, oh, it's kind of like the ghetto, right? I'm like, yo, what are you talking I came from Yonkers. There's so many ghettos there. This is not the ghetto. And then um, people would say, oh, that, those are the freshman dorms. Um, even though we didn't have freshman dorms, it's pretty much where, where freshmen would go and they would get out by the second semester or by their second year because they didn't want to be there. The smallest rooms you've ever seen. These rooms are smaller than walk-in closets for two people, okay? You were in a walk-in closet for two years at least. I know that, okay? And I don't know how they fit two beds and two of this and two of that, but they do. However, I think it started to be something um, 
I know with you guys, it continued definitely, even when we left. Um, but it started to be something, like I said, I think after those two weeks where, and I'm not saying I started this, but after those two weeks where I said, you know what, I don't want to hang out with this guy anymore, Bongiorno. I want to hang out with the guys here. I'm not getting to know them. You know how like when, when one, one person gets a girlfriend and you never see them and they're never at 24 down? That's how it was for me. I was never there. Um, sorry, man. Someone was trying to call me. Um, so, and, and I was never there. Um, so I said, I want to be there. Um, and then I just started to get to know the guys. Like one of the first guys I got to know was Tim. You know, we all know he's a little weird, but he's a great guy, <laughs> you know, at first a, a great guy. Right. Um, and he was there all four years as well. Um, you started to get to know Pete, um, started to get to know Neil. Neil was actually dying. Uh, his first couple weeks, he was so homesick and we thought he was actually dying. He was losing hair. Um, his hair was falling out. He would come out of the bathroom and be like, and like, we just thought we were like, what's wrong with this guy? And there was a couple times where he would actually just go in his closet and like curl up into a ball. We didn't know what was going on. And then he goes home after a couple weeks and he came back and he looked so much better. He came back with food and snacks from his home. I think he was from somewhere in, you know, Western Pennsylvania, Central Pennsylvania or something. He comes back with these big, huge gallons of, of glass bottles of water and it's spring water from the spring next to his house. And he starts to eat that stuff. And he's like, yeah, man, the food is really crappy here. And he was pretty much dying. He was malnourished and he almost died. Um, but then he got some of the stuff from home and he was good, but he was so weird. Cause I think, did you ever see the Neo monster? Hell yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That, that started after he finally got better, that he would just like out of nowhere, he would just run after someone and tackle them and tickle them and stuff. Sometimes he would have his shirt off. One time he was naked, uh, a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know exactly, exactly the point where we were like, let's do this. I'm not going to say I am the person that said, hey, let's all hang out together and let's make this a thing. But I did in my own mind say, I kind of like these guys at 24 down now. They're not as weird to me as before. I'm kind of getting to know them. We had our first floor meeting, all this stuff. And I said, you know what? I want to get to know them. And once I made that decision, then it all just came together and we just became a thing. And then as the, as the, um, the, uh, the semesters went on and the years went on, just people got added. And there are some people that they only spend a semester or a year there. And then they got out because they just felt that they didn't fit in. We didn't make them leave. We, like I said, we accepted everyone. Um, but it was just, it was just an amazing thing that just happened because we just said to ourselves, Hey, let's, let's, let's hang out together. And we became like family. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. So like, Earlier when I was asking if you had been in, in that building your whole four years, um, I, I guess my question that I wanted to ask is very similar. Um, and he basically covered it, you know, because I, I wasn't there when it started. Whenever it was the whatever stars aligned and, and 24 Down was born as a community, it wasn't just a place to live on campus. But you were part of that. And so that was your first year there, right? So that was yeah, 2004, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. for me, like I came in 2006 and for me, I came in and 
when I first showed up, I showed up, um, I think, Saturday night, Friday night or Saturday night before the week before classes even started. Um, and I think classes didn't even start to like midweek of that week too. So it was like, I was there quite a few days early and the only people that were there at the time, um, Donovan, our ARA at the time, he was there and junior and Mike, and it was their first semester too. And so the three of us like instantly like hit it off because we were all new and, um, we were living like they were in one room and I was the very next room. I was living with Ryan Frizzell who didn't even come till like a week later. Like he came late, but whatever. So, um, so we just, we were able to build that, but I remember instantly like Donovan sharing some stuff with us and then other people sharing stuff. And I started to like hear, Oh, the 24 down, like this is this family. This is this community. So I never experienced the, the pre community thing. Um, part of the reason why, you know, I, I called you the, the godfather of 24 down because whether or not it was you specifically, like you had such an, uh, instrumental, uh, time in creating that. Um, and, and I guess I want to share with you just cause you left in 2008, you said, mm-hmm. um, so I was there, let's see, 2006, I think I was there three and a half years, I believe if I remember correctly. So I did 2006, seven, eight, uh, whatever. I was there, I think a year and a half after you were gone at least. Um, and then even after I left, um, I moved back home for six months and then moved back to Pennsylvania. Um, and so I knew people that were still in 24 down that 24 down thing. Like it didn't last forever. It eventually got to a point where I remember Gene and Francis and I, Alex might've been with us. I don't remember, but we went on campus one day and we're like, let's see what, you know, what 24 down is like. And we walked in and like, didn't know anybody. Nobody knew us completely different atmosphere, but that, that community that you helped create lasted long after you were gone. And like that to me, I I think that's a really, really cool thing. Like you were gone and it carried on, it carried on, the whole time I was there, it carried on a little bit after I was there because it was, it was almost like you passed that on to us and then we passed that on to other people and, and so on and so forth. And uh, I don't know, it's, to me, that's really cool that this community, this view of, of things that you and Neil and Nate and Tim and some of the guys that were there from the start, like that you guys created was able to sustain itself years after you guys were all gone. Um, and that really, to me, that speaks to how awesome 24 down was and how thankful like I am as well as everybody else is for you guys initially doing that. Um, I remember, you know, you called it, well, you said you had heard people saying it was the ghetto on the previous, one of the previous zoom calls, Mark Telesha got on and I shared this a little bit in the Andrew episode, but he, he said, he's like, you know, before, you guys turned 24 down into what it was. That's what everybody called that building. They called it the ghetto. And he said that what we became, what it turned out to be was the most community thing that he had ever seen within that campus. And I can't argue with that. You know, I was only there for three and a half years, but I can't argue that. Like that was such a special group of guys that just 
from all different walks of life, from all different places in the world. And it didn't matter. Everybody came together. Um, but it was cool to hear you say that, like, when you first got there, it wasn't like that. And it wasn't very long after you got there that it became what it was. But yeah, I mean, to me, that's just so awesome. Like, yeah, man. And I, I think there are some things that I think I heard you ask Andrew this, like, why is, why was 24 like this? Why did this happen? And I, I definitely believe number one, it was the people. Um, and I wouldn't even look at myself or really anyone else there as the leader. Um, even like you doing the podcast and getting people together, like you're more than a leader than, than I am in 24 down right now. Uh, so I wouldn't put that on me, but it was just everyone, it's just everyone comes together. Like you said, the stars aligned, you know, um, but there was, there's other things. There's like physical things that I think helped bring us together or would have helped us say, I want to get out of here. And that was this, because if you visit 24 down today, um, it is an enormous hallway. It, we were half a dorm. So that I think also added to us being close because we had to be close because we were physically close to each other. So then we became emotionally and mentally uh, with our hearts close to each other. The other thing is so, uh, other, other dorms, um, you know, two rooms would share a bathroom or a couple people would share a bathroom. We had three bathrooms and we shared the bathrooms. And so that brought us together, communal bathrooms. We would have shower parties, man. <laughs> and like, I don't remember who it was, but I don't know if it was you, Tom, someone, but we were having a shower party one time. Shower, and then we just started throwing uh, shampoo and uh, soap and, and everything at each other. Um, and then one person got out and just like slipped on the floor, butt naked. Um, and we were just dying laughing. Uh, we would do, you know, we, we did the icy hot thing in the bathrooms. Uh, we would take uh, dumps together. Like one person, then two people was a double deuce. Three people was a triple threat. Four people was like a quadruple duple, you know, whatever. We never got to the four, but we got to the triple threat. Um, but we would take our laptops in there and do like stuff on our laptops while we were in the bathroom, um, brushing our teeth together. So, you know, you know, taking people's, you know, clothes when they were, you know, showering and stuff. So all those things. And I always thought that pranks like pushed people away from each other and created distrust. But also I think something special was created when we pranked each other because you really don't try to prank people that you don't love and roast people you don't love and things like that. So, you know, being together, the small rooms, the community bathrooms, being half a dorm, because we always wanted more space. We always wanted a lounge. We never had a lounge. Now I think the RA room is a lounge. Um, and then, you know, you go all the way. To, it's no longer the, the RD's apartment and um, the apartment over there, it's a whole dorm. So it's pretty weird. It's not the 24 down that we remember. So, so I don't, I don't mean to um, bum you out or anything, but from to my knowledge, the last I heard 24 down wasn't even a living building. It was for um, storage. They turned it into a storage hall and Andrew thinks he might have heard that they might have even just completely tore the the building down but i do remember like i was around when they started to open that rd and extend it and i think at that point like not to say that it lost some of the the specialness because like i said it did still last but there was a difference and it, it 
when it felt more open, it felt a little bit more distant. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I, it's funny you bring up like the bathrooms. I, we, you know, thinking back to it, there were so many things that we did in those bathrooms. You said we had three. I mean, technically we had two and a half because one of them was very small. Um, but man, I mean, I, I remember we played, um, we played like we played soccer. We had a like soccer game in the bathroom at one point. We like uh, at one point we decided we were going to turn the bathroom into a sauna. So we turned all the showers on hot as hot as they could go to like make this bathroom like a sauna, like just crazy things like that. So those are those are some of my memories that you just sparked right there. And I'm going to allow you to now potentially spark even more memories because I know there's some things you want to bring up and get to so i'm gonna just turn the floor over to you and and sure and just talking about bathrooms i forgot all about was it mikey who crapped on the floor yes (laughs) you you guys brought it up last episode i forgot all about it i just busted out laughing when i heard it man (laughs) and because i never went in to see it but i smelled it it was coming out of that door that was closed you could smell it down the hallway it was disgusting and i remember nate was so upset at that it was like you know, someone just like defaced the Mona Lisa or something like, why would you do that to 24 down? But it, it's a great memory now. All right, man, let, let's, let's do this, man. What do you say? Uh, 20, 30 minutes and we'll go in. Sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, um, yeah, man, 24 down, I, I would have to say like, you know, I, I love being married. I love having a family. I love being a pastor. I love, you know, being responsible for my own life, but I have to say like, uh, four, of the greatest years of my life were at Valley Forge and it was because of 24 down. Um, and I just, I'm so thankful that I was there. I, after I graduated, I wish I could have come back. And even now I wish we could come back and just people don't know this. We did two or three missions trips when I was youth pastor with my youth group to Valley Forge. And two of the times we stayed in 24 down even though we could have stayed in Bongiorno. I requested 24 down and first we were in just the rooms and then another time we were in the apartment. I was like, this is the first time we're in the apartment. And um, I would just tell the kids all these stories and I don't know how I did it, but somehow I did Bucking Buddha um, <clears throat> with my youth group, like I used to do with you guys. And then a bunch of the other boys did Bucking Buddha. Don't tell any parents about that. So, um, <laughs> but um, and then one year we did stay in Bongiorno because I was like, I have to experience what it is to live in Bongiorno. <laughs> and it was, it was pretty cool. So, um, yeah, so just to start off with this, man, like I was actually, I felt called by God to go to Valley Forge Christian College. Um, how's the connection? Good? Good yeah. Okay. Um, so I felt called to go to Valley Forge Christian College about a year or two before going to college. I felt called into the ministry from the age of 10. And um, I kind of lost that for a while. And then at 14 years old, God just changed my life around and reminded me of that. And so I started to look for Bible colleges, 14, 15, 16 years old. And um, God actually spoke to me through watching a video of George Washington as he was fighting the Revolutionary War. And um, I knew I was looking at three colleges and one of them was Valley Forge. And as I was watching this video in a, in a summer camp that I was working for, um, every time I was praying through this and every time um, the video said Valley Forge, I got the craziest goosebumps and the craziest chills. 
I, and uh, I can only attribute that to the Holy Spirit. And I, I was like, wow, God, is this really, are you really talking to me through this dumb video right now? Do you really want me to go there? So I said, okay, you want me to go there? I'll visit. I went to one of the um, breakaways um, and I went with my dad. I didn't go with my youth group because when you go with your youth group, it's a lot of fun. I went with my dad. My dad is cool, but it's not fun when you go and college kids are having fun and high school kids are having fun. They're with their youth groups acting up. I just felt so out of place. I hated everything about it, but I loved the chapel. The chapel, that's what I loved. I loved the service. So I said, you know what, God? You gave me a sign. I hate everything about it, but I love I even hate how it looks, but I'm gonna go there anyway because I'm gonna I'm gonna be obedient. And it proved out to, to be the right decision. I remember going there, my parents saying goodbye to me, my girlfriend saying goodbye to me. I cried the first night. My parents told me just a couple years ago that they cried also, but they never told me after that. It was so sad because my parents were leaving and they didn't even turn back to say bye. And I was on the 24 down stoop, just like waiting for them to turn around. It's like, you know, it was very emotional. They didn't even turn around, but I, I found out why they didn't turn around because they, they just started crying as they were walking away. So that was very hard. Um, and before I got to college all summer long, the one thing that I prayed I didn't pray about doing good in college, even though that's what I wanted to do. I prayed that I would find a good friend, a best friend in college that I can go to meals with, that I can go to the gym with, that I can play sports with, that I could do stuff with that will really love each other and like each other, blah, blah, blah. So when I got there, I thought I found that friend. And then two weeks later, I pretty much kicked him to the curb. Um, and I started hanging out with 24 down. And thank God I did that because... I didn't just gain one friend, I gained 30, 40, 50 friends. Uh, maybe even it's about 100 now, you know, um, of people that don't even live on 24, but were part of us. So God not only answered my prayer, he did a miracle. And so I was very invested in 24 down after those two weeks. And I, I was trying to make it all it could be. I was trying to be as friendly as I could and everything. So it, it was really awesome. I got close to people, right? And we got close to some 24 up people and, um, you know, we were hanging out, having a good time. And within, I think like four or five, maybe about five or six weeks, I can't remember exactly how much it was, but there were some really cool people we were getting to know, even some girls and stuff um, that were hanging out with us at 24 down as well. And then all of a sudden um, they go out, they go clubbing, they go to a hotel and then someone tattles on them and they get kicked out. Seven people that we got close to got kicked out of our school. Some were on 24, some were 24 up, um, all over the campus. And it was like the biggest thing because I thought I was coming to a Christian utopia. I thought everything was going to be perfect. Everything was going to be Christian. But obviously you see that some people are forced to go there from their parents. Some people just end up there. We, we don't know. But um, that kind of like made me step back a little bit and say, whoa, I got to find out, you know, who the right people are to hang out with. I got to find out, you know, you know, good influences. I got to be a good influence, all that stuff. So I just stuck to 24 down. I didn't really branch out that much. Um, and just to tell you about my first roommate, my first roommate, <laughs> he was there for a couple of years. Did you ever meet Tom Fadden or you just heard stories? I think I just heard stories. Yeah. So Tom Fadden, Oh my gosh. Uh, he is just very, um, a high energy, very loud, uh, very weird type of kid. Maybe has some type of Asperger's or something like that. 
um, but was undiagnosed. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's just very weird, very weird, weird guy. Um, and so I would say about a month into a month or two into being at Valley Forge and being his roommate, um, I'm, I'm sleeping one night and it's about like two o'clock in the morning and I, I'm, I'm woken up maybe three o'clock woken up by something and I'm woken up by our entire bunk bed shaking. And I'm wondering why our bunk bed is shaking. The lights are off everything. And it, and I'm thinking maybe he's doing something up there. Obviously we can use our imagination of what he's doing in our room where I am. And I'm like, yo, Tom. And then everything stops and everything is silent. And we, we never speak of it again. So obviously he's doing something up there. Then a couple weeks later, he comes out and says to me, we're having a conversation and he says, Hey man, I just want you to know that I used to be gay. And the first two weeks of school, I was very attracted to you. So I'm putting like, you know, that together with what just happened a couple weeks ago with the bed shaking. And I'm like, yo, I got to get away from this kid. So right away, I get I get rid of him as a roommate, and the second semester I have another roommate, Van Hussey. If you're listening, you're an awesome guy. But Van Hussey used to just stay up all night talking about heroes, hero clicks, and all this stuff. He's like, you know, uh, Captain America is better than the Hulk because, and he would be talking with the light on. It's hard to go to sleep, right? Um, and then the next year I was the ARA, and you know, and then the next year I was I was rooming with uh, Nate, which was which was pretty cool. And Nate, everyone would say that you know he's a he's a jerk and everything. He has kind of a persona of a, as a jerk, and you know he kind of brought the twenty four down when someone says, "Hey, you're stupid," he'd be like, "You're stupid." He would just turn it around right on you, and everyone was like saying it and stuff. And I feel like when Nate came, like he brought a lot to twenty four down. Nate came, I think, the same time as Justin. Um, or around the same time, and they were both athletes. So it wasn't just anymore a brotherhood. Now we were a brotherhood, and we had athletic athletes, and we became very athletic. Um, even before that, um, you know, people looked down at Twenty Four Down, and people looked down at us, um, and people looked down at uh, underclassmen because there was the underclassmen, the freshmen versus the upperclassmen. They would have these like football games, and they would beat up on freshmen. They would beat up on me. They would beat up. And we were looked down upon so much. And this really gave us a lot of like anger inside. We were like, we want to be better. Then we got Nate. We got Justin. We got a couple other guys, D-Rob, all these guys. Pete was a good athlete as well. Uh, you know, we got Rick. Uh, we, got, we got so many. And Neil just did whatever we asked him to do, the galloping ghost. And so we got all these guys, man. And we made a football team. We won like, I think we won two times the, the flag football competition. Like we were blowing people out of the water. There was no one that could stand against us. People wanted to beat us. People wanted to be us. Um, and I heard you guys talking about the basketball intramurals. Sad thing about that. That was, I feel like I was in spirit part of that, but I was part of that team and I would get maybe like five minutes of play. See, Nate was a good coach in that he saw the team and saw who had talent and who didn't. And he would still put you in, even if you were kind of good. And I was kind of good. So he would put me in for five minutes or so. Um, and so we, we went all the way. And then on the night that we were going to have the championship, my wife's uncle died. And so I had to drive my wife to the funeral. 
we're halfway to the funeral and I was, I was inside so mad at my wife, but it was a death in the family. I couldn't do anything about it, but to not be part of that and to hear you guys talking about it, to see the pictures, I wish, if you look in it, I'm not in the pictures. It's almost everyone from 24 down at that time. And I'm not there, but I was there in spirit and we won, man. Uh, And we either won or came so close to winning the softball softball tournament. And I can't remember, refresh my memory, what happened with Rick? Because I believe he was on the other team. And then did he end up on our team? No. So, so what happened with Rick and I'll give a quick little overview because Actually, I'm going to have Rick on here pretty soon. He's going to be one of the next episodes, and I'll let him tell a lot of details. But basically, he was on the other team. And from my recollection, softball was the one thing we were not good at. Like like you said, we killed it in football, intramural basketball, dodgeball tournaments, like everything, like 24 down one, every single thing, except softball. We just were never good at it. And – this particular softball, because they would do, it wasn't a tournament. It was like an intramural season. So you'd played multiple games and stuff like that. Um, I remember, because I didn't play, but I would always go to the games. The first half of the season lost every single game, just getting just blown out. Didn't matter who we were playing, just killed, killed, killed. And then something just happened near the end where like things started to click. And we went on a little run, got through the playoffs or whatever it was, and got to the final championship game against the essentially the baseball team. Yeah. 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 And um, so Rick was on that team, and the everything that played out from what from my memory played out. The game was very heated because we were doing well, and we're not supposed to. Nobody's supposed to beat this baseball club. Like, and somehow we're and. I think I could be wrong, but I think there were a lot of like miracle type plays. Like it was like angels in the outfield type things where it's like things just happened to go our way a few different ways. There were some calls that they didn't agree with. So they're in the face of whoever was the umpire or whatever. And come to the end of the game, we ended up winning. And the, the baseball team is so mad, like won't shake our hands, nothing like that. And Rick came over to all of us well, the people who were playing first. And he just said, you guys are my brothers. Like, this is my team, but you guys are my brothers. Congratulations. Like, you know, a very Rick thing to do. Like, I want you to know, like, I don't feel the way that all the rest of these guys feel right now. I love you guys. I'm so happy for you. That kind of a thing. So uh, I'll let Rick tell it better when he's on, but. Yeah, bro. But I wasn't there a time where, we were so mad at him that he wasn't part of our team and he was hitting like home runs like oh, almost yeah. every time at that. Well, yeah. That's... And he called us – and didn't he call us little bees one time? Maybe. Or something like that? <laughs> maybe. I, maybe. Yeah. Very, very well possible. Because I, I think if you – if I remember correctly, you would – throughout the season, you would play these few teams a few times. Yeah, yeah. And I'm pretty sure, like I said, we got slaughtered the first half or three-quarters of the season by everybody. So – there were probably games that we would have been like, yeah, Rick, why won't you play with us? And Rick had every right to not play with us because we weren't good. You know? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. That was, uh, those are good times, man. 
But yeah, um, yeah, just going on, like we did, we did pranks. Um, I remember early on we were doing pranks. We started off with like putting a cup of water on a door, knocking on it and seeing the cup of water fall into that person's door, into that person's room. And then we graduated uh, into like, you know, gallons of water of the bucket and we would do that and someone did it to mine. And we had a river of water going into my room. And as I'm standing there, I'm like, guys, I think we need to stop this because like we're like damaging people's floors. And I had like a flood in my in my friggin' room. So we stopped that. Then we did other pranks. We would we would go into bed with people at night. We would, you know, sleep in people's rooms. We would we would uh, one time I was I was the ARA. I had my own room and um, I got out the shower. It's about one, two o'clock at night in the morning. And I'm about to go to sleep and I'm, I'm naked. I'm drying myself. I get myself, I get my underwear on and all this stuff. But as I'm doing it, I'm saying like a little prayer before I go to bed and I'm saying it out loud, just talking to God. I get in my bed, I lay down two o'clock in the morning. And just as I lay my head down to sleep, Tim comes out of my closet and he says, yo bro, I'm really sorry. Um, I hid in your closet before you got in the shower because I was going to scare you. And then you started praying. So I didn't come out. And I was like, yo, you are so weird. Get out of my room, bro. And after that, I always checked under my bed. I always checked. So you guys were always trying to scare me, obviously. So, I, but thank God he respected God enough not to interrupt me. But we did this clown prank. Did you ever hear the clown prank? Did we ever mention it? Because it was before you came. It was like our first year. Maybe off our the, second year. So, off the top of my head, I don't recall it. So, go ahead and t- I mean, it might spark a memory, but yeah. So, so there was this one kid. His name was Joe Flores. He's listening. He's part of Twenty Four Down for about a year. He was deathly afraid of clowns. So we heard about this. He was at work one night, and then between me, Tim, and a couple other people. We put um, clown posters all over his room. We got a couple people dressed up as clowns and with the clown mask on. And we got his roommate, his name is Ronell. His roommate was sleeping on the bottom and then Joe would sleep on top. So Ronell was on the bottom and he was acting like he was sleeping because it was about 11 or 12 o'clock at night. Ronell did go to sleep early. So it made all the sense. So he was coming home at 11 o'clock. We're all hanging around. We have we have a clown in his closet dressed up with a scary mask. We got a clown in his bed dressed up in a scary mask. And so um, he comes he comes in. Joe comes in and goes into his room. And there's like a bunch of us standing around because we're just anticipating this. He goes into his room. There's like that scary clown music playing. There's something on each of the computers that are in there, like scary clown faces. He's like, guys, what's going on? And then one clown jumps down from the, the bed. The other comes out of the closet. He runs out as fast as I ever seen him run out, out the door, out the glass door. And he's hyperventilating, almost having a, he actually is having a panic attack. We almost called 911. So it was one of the greatest pranks we ever did, but it was scary. After that, we kind of thought about pranks. Um, but yeah, we did some really cool pranks back then. Um, I remember you remember always like messing with Tim with those uh, words, like the names, like Eric, Sean, and stuff like that. Do you remember? <laughs> yes. Now I do. <laughs> and, 
And so we would always like, oh, you know, these inappropriate names, if you put them together, they mean something, you know, inappropriate. And so we would always ask him if he knew these people. And then all of a sudden he would get really serious and be like, you know what, guys, I don't want to talk about this right now. Remember one time he gave us like a, a 15 minute, um, like a sermon or a 15 minute speech when we were both taking craps and we're just looking at him through like the slits and yes. he's just like standing there <laughs> talking to us. Like he would get, he would like to play around, but then he would get like really, really serious. So that, that was really funny, man. Um, I'm looking at these, man. Um, yeah, man, Matias, he gave like the best haircuts, but he would take, and he's probably listening, right? He would give the best haircuts. He's one of my best favorite barbers ever, but he would take so long because he is a perfectionist. He would get every single hair in place. He was a perfectionist, but it would take an hour instead of like a half an hour at a normal barber. Also because it was a barber shop in his room and people would be coming in, coming out, be in there playing a video game. He's talking to everyone. He's doing impressions from like, you know, cartoons and everything. He was the funniest guy, bro. And, but he would take so long and, um, but he did, he did the best job. Like people would just come. I don't even remember if he charged. Sometimes he wouldn't charge me. Sometimes it would just be like five bucks, but he would do like the best haircuts, man. You ever got a haircut from him? Yeah, he, uh, so they were on two separate occasions. He, uh, like shaved something into my head. Like one time he shaved King because uh, I, I, it was like a band I was listening to. They had a lyric about being a King or whatever. So I put King and then I played, um, I played roller hockey while I was in college at uh, 422 sports plaques. And a lot of the 24 down guys would come out and watch the game too. And I, I was came playing. one time. I didn't come a lot, but I came <laughs> one time. So I was playing on this team called the blaze and berries. And he uh, shaved in like blaze and berries on the side of my head for like our championship game. So like, and I mean, it looked good. He, like you said, here he's he's a college kid in a dorm room. He's not in. He doesn't have like professional mirrors in the barber's chair. Like he's literally got what he's got to work with, and he 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 just killed it. You know? Yeah, man. Yeah, he was good, man. Um... I, you know, going, going back to the sports a little bit, um, intramurals wasn't enough for us. We wanted more. Um, and I even think this may have been before they started the Patriot Bowl, which was the flag football, but we started an underground football league. And I actually typed up all about what it was. And it's like a charter. It was like a constitution. And we gave it out to all the guys' dorms. And they would, they would get teams together. There were probably about four to six teams. And um, so we would actually practice, like, 24 down. We had, like, a team of maybe 10. But, like, maybe six, seven, eight of us would practice on an every-other-day basis. We would be out in the fields and, and doing passing routes and doing, like, you know, drills and stuff. And um, it, was, it was so awesome. And we would go against these guys. No one else would practice. We would be out there. And, um, and like, everyone else, it seemed, like, wanted to beat us. They wanted to beat us so bad. We would mostly play on the peewee field in the back of the campus, which we were not given, you know, any permission to play back there. But it was a mini – like NFL field. That's what it was like. So we would go against these guys. We would uh, make up a schedule for the season and we would go against these guys and we won every single game. And then we stopped playing. It was, it was fun. We stopped playing this one time where I believe there were two concussions and a broken ankle. And one of the, I think the broken ankle was Justin Banks. He may have gotten a concussion too, because I, 
I remember we were talking about it, and sometimes you don't know if you get a concussion or not, but he hit his head on one of the plays. He comes back. We had we had names for plays, and everyone knew exactly what they were doing. It was like a high school team, you know. And um, we come back to the we come back to the uh, the the huddle on one of the one of the plays, and we're saying what the what the play is, and Justin is like asking questions, and it was so weird. It was like he was supposed to go right, but he was like, am I supposed to go right? Am I supposed to go left? He was asking so many things. And we figured out by the end of the game because he, he did something very weird. Um, and, and he had a concussion, but also he had a broken ankle. Uh, one of the guys on the other team had a concussion, and that's when we ended. And we said, you know what? I don't think we could do this anymore because one of the guys didn't have insurance. And someone called 911 and called the ambulance. To, and he got really mad that someone called because that cost money. So we stopped playing for a while. But then we heard some trash talking, like big time trash talking. Now, we did have rivalries between 24 down and 24 up. We also had a rivalry with, I think, four down. Or either four down or four up. Who knows? They're, they're crappy anyway. But you know, you have these guys like Miles, and Miles had a friend. Do you remember his friend? I remember Miles. I mean, if if I if I knew yeah. if, if I heard the name, maybe I'd remember his friend. Yeah, it's like a, a short guy with bald head, big mouth. Um, but they were they they always wanted to beat us. They always wanted to you know go against us, and they were talking a lot of crap one night. It was at night. We didn't play at night. We played in the daytime. And they were talking a lot of crap. And we got, we heard of it. We got so mad. We're just sitting around. We heard about it. We, we start saying, yo, let's play right now. I don't care about getting injured. Let's do this. Let's do this right now. We're like, yo, where are we going to play? We're like, yo, let's play at the quad right now. Because there's, there's lights and everything. It's like, you know, it's between the library and, and all those buildings in between there. And there was actually walkways in between that we were playing on with cleats. So this was very, very bad. Um, and, and so we were like, let's do it. Everyone got all their gear on and stuff. And we went all together. Like, we told yo meet us there at 11 p.m and yo you know what is campus security gonna do they got they got you know nothing so we all go there and that there's this whole group there not just 24 down there's other people there watching it's like the campus all heard about it obviously the whole campus wasn't there but there was about 100 people there or so we're all watching and so, and, and 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 so i was playing in there and we were playing it was so hard to see because the the lights were not as high so it was like kind of right in your face. So it was hard to see certain things and we're playing and I think we're beating them. And, um, and then what happened was on one, on our last play, um, we're on defense and Pete is, is, is playing cornerback and he's staying with one of the receivers, but as cornerback, you stay with the receiver, but you also look at the quarterback. So he's looking at the quarterback about to throw it. He goes to make a play on, on this, on this ball and he goes right into um, uh, the metal, uh, the metal uh, uh, light, you know, stand. And you hear this big boy, his, his, the middle of his body hits this. It's his chest, his stomach, his groin, and he goes right into it. And he goes down. Yo, we're like, yo, man, this is crazy. He's on the floor writhing in pain. He's like, God have mercy on my soul. And like, I almost laughed when he said that, bro. And, and but I was like, no, man. And I prayed for him. We called 911 and he just had the biggest bruise down his entire body. 
and that was the end of 24 down uh, Valley Forge underground uh, football and we just did flag we did things that were more safe but that was the craziest night just hearing you know, trash talk, getting ready, going out. No one tried to stop us. I think campus security was probably watching the game. Uh, it was just, it was the coolest night, but then, you know, Pete got hurt and that was crazy. Yeah, I remember, I remember like, because that was before my time too, um, but I never heard all the other stories that there was like a league and everything like that, but I always heard the Pete story. That was like when you started talking football, I was like, all right, I know the Pete story is coming. Cause that was like such a just iconic story. Like I, I, and I wasn't even there. And I remember every time I heard the story, I would cringe. Cause like the way you guys would tell it, I could like picture it happening. And like, I mean, especially to a guy like Pete, Pete's like the nicest guy ever in the history of the world. And it's like, Oh, like, <laughs> like it just, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. That, it was, it was so crazy, man. And then, just a couple more stories, man. Like, I remember when, like, the talk of going to see 300, like, you guys were, like, going to go see 300. And I remember, you know, I always tried to be, like, the good boy, you know, and try to follow rules and stuff. And for the most part, I did follow rules at, White, at, at Valley Forge. Um, but you guys were going, and I really wanted to see the movie. But I was like, you know what? We're not supposed to watch rated R movies. And I really tried to keep that rule, even though today I think it's a bunch of crap. Like, pretty much all the stuff on adult Netflix is rated R. Um, and, you know, uh, I watch it more for, you know, the story, the acting, the cinematography. I'm not trying to watch, you know, nudity or anything, right? But um, I remember you guys went, and I really felt like I shouldn't go. And then, you know, Tim also felt the same way. I think Pete didn't go. I'm not, sh- I'm not sure, though. I want to say, say Nate didn't go either. Yeah, I think Nate didn't go either. He, he's, a rule, he's a rule guy, too. Yeah, he's a pastor's kid and everything. Yep. So we all didn't go. And then when you guys came back, you guys were like saying things from the movie and, you know, doing 300 in the dorm. I felt so bad I didn't go. I was like, I should have friggin went. I want to be a part of this right now. They're having all these inside jokes and we don't uh, inside things that we don't know. I wanted to be a part of it. And then me and Tim. We, he came home with me um, one weekend and it was like two weeks later. And I was like, yo, I want to see this freaking movie. We're seeing it. And, and like in our heads, we're like, oh, let's get around the rule and see it while we're in Yonkers, you know? So we went to go see it and we loved it. But then we couldn't go back and be like, yeah, like you guys were doing man. And I was <laughs> like, shoot. And like now I have to say, that's one of my top three movies. I wish I saw it you guys that's one rule that i wish i broke that i went to go with you guys because that is one of my favorite movies still till today it, it, it is so awesome you <laughs> guys like made shields and had like swords and you know like you guys are doing a lot of stuff I was like, Shoot, man. so i don't know i don't know if you remember the timeline at all but speaking of the whole like flag burning thing you know it was that night that was the night that they did it because they like there was so much talk about like 24 down going to see this 300 movie that got word got across campus so they heard 24 downs going to be completely empty that night so that's why it was that night they came in and then they took the flag recorded the thing which i think looking back at things now is probably why a good chunk of the reason of why we reacted with such a 
um, craziness is because majority of us had just seen 300 the night before. So here we are in the mindset of 300 and we're like, all right, <laughs> let's Spartan kick yeah. these guys down a well. You know? <laughs> yeah, man, yo, that's crazy, man. And yeah, because you guys were all gotten like most of you, I think I would say a majority of 24 down was at that movie. Honestly, and... the, the only people that I think, like you said, didn't go was you, Tim, I think Nate, maybe Pete. And I think Andrew Kindler was our RA at the time and he didn't go. Pretty much yeah. everybody else, literally everybody else went. <laughs> yeah. So, so probably we were just hanging out in our rooms together and not yeah. in the hallway like usual. Yep. Yeah. Because the other thing yeah. too is like we had a lot of a lot of the girls that would hang out with us, like our our twenty four down female friends and stuff like that. So they yeah. were all there too. So there would be no reason to like hang out in on the stoop or hang out like you. There was just nobody at the floor. You know. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um. Onto another one. I mentioned it before, but Bucking Buddha. I don't know how it started. I think it actually started with I was taking a shower and someone took my clothes. So I didn't have a towel. I didn't have any, you know, clothes or anything. And so I was like yelling out. I was like, yo, bring my clothes back right now or I'm coming out of here naked and I'm going to get all of you guys. And so I think maybe that's how it started. Cause then I just covered my junk up and like went crazy down the hallway and everything. <laughs> Everyone was just going nuts. And then after that, they, they named it bucking Buddha. And cause I kind of looked like a bucking bull, you know? And so they would just call for it out of nowhere. And I just felt like I had to do it. So I would just be like, yo, bucking Buddha, Buddha do bucking Buddha. And I would just be like, oh, hold on a second. I'll take off all my clothes and then run down the hallway or something. That was really crazy. I don't know if anyone else did it. Did anyone? I remember you were we you were doing your heelies one time. Okay, so <laughs> we just ran after after um after the last ant episode with Andrew, I was talking to him for just for a minute, and he was like, "Oh my god, he felt so bad. He wanted to bring up a story, which now is like, I guess the perfect time to bring it up since you brought it up. He wanted to bring up that that very story. So essentially, what happened <laughs> was. I had I had Heelys, and uh, so I decided it would be a great idea to just have a washcloth, like just hold a washcloth over my junk, and Heely down the hall. So here I go, I'm healing like up and down the hall, and I think I I I want to say Carlos was the RA at the time, and and so as I'm doing it. <laughs> It gets late at night, and Car Carlos comes out, and I kind of like get spooked a little bit as I'm wheeling, and I just fall out scorpioned, like washcloth gone, <laughs> just face planting on the ground, and being forced to like hide behind a wall so that like hopefully he didn't yeah. see me butt naked. <laughs> yeah, man, that was so fun. I. I I don't exactly remember if I was there, but I feel like I was because I could see it. I could see the memory made up the memory. People saw it, actually saw it. I don't know. Yeah. I, I can't remember who all was there or not. I, I, you probably were there honestly. Cause I mean, you were there, you were there during the time that we had Heelys. Yeah. 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 Definitely. So. Cause I remember you had them. Um, I, I, but I remember it like I was there. So yeah, I, maybe I was there. Yeah. You probably were there. <laughs> yeah. But that was funny. It's something that came to me because you said you're junk. Do you, were you there during the time when we were just hitting each other in the nuts all the time? 
Yeah, and when we had to have a, a talk from Carlos gave us a talk. Do you remember Carlos gave us a sit down talk? <laughs> yeah, yo, his talks. He was like, I think he is a psychologist now or something, because he was like, he would just get really calm. And like, Let me just talk to you right now. I just want to talk to you, and he would just be talking like that. He never got like overly mad at anything, right? But it was so annoying, though. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I don't remember all the talk, but I remember he sat us all down. Because we were doing ball tapping and we were doing... Because he was, like, he, was like, he was like, you can't just be punching yourself in the nuts. <laughs> he was like this. He was like, punching yourself in the nuts. I think, I think he, he accused us too of like, he was like, this is definitely like gay tendencies that you guys are displaying. <laughs> just like, like he, he was, was pretty much calling us gay. He was coming at it from the right way. Like he was concerned, <laughs> but it was like... You couldn't be further from the truth. Like we're just doing this because this is what we we did. Like yeah, yeah. But do you remember there was like ten, twenty guys in the hallway, and you're trying to get through. And then once one person hits someone in the nuts, twenty people are on the floor a second later. It was a chain reaction. <laughs> yeah, it was the craziest thing, man. It was so crazy. And you know, since then. And maybe since I've been married, I haven't been hitting the nuts at all. I usually yep. get kicked or punched in the nuts by my kids by accident, but not from anyone else of like adult nature. You know? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna knock on wood while I say this. Like I've not had it happen to me intentionally either. But you talk about the Thank chain God. reaction. I think from what I remember, what it what it would be is like say like you came up and you tapped me in the balls, so I'm down. And then Gene is standing right next to me laughing because he thinks it's hilarious. I'm pissed. So, oh, you think this is hilarious? So yeah. I get Gene. And then yep. Gene down and, and Nate Camphon's laughing because he thinks that's hilarious. So Gene gets Nate. I think that's Off guard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Off guard. But when there was like a, a bunch of like, I remember one time we were ready to go to chapel. People have their Bibles in hand. And we're ready to go, and we're like, okay, let's go. And it was like, pop, 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 pop. And, like, we're all late for, for chapel. It was crazy, man. <laughs> I just remember that. I didn't have that down on my list. That was <laughs> that was fun and also a scary time. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, man, just I, I have two more. Um, I think I touched on just pretty much almost everything. Oh, I got to bring up this, maybe three more. Remember, man, you, you made me um, have a love for um, garlic salt. Remember the Campbell's soup cups when we were sick? And we would go get the Campbell's soup cups and put it in the microwave and eat it together and stuff. That's yep. so funny, man. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's horrible being sick at college. You got no one to take care of you, man, like your mom or your wife or something like that. Um, and then uh, Tom Rizzo, man. The first time I met Tom Rizzo, I thought this kid was like 40 years old and high all the time, bro. He just looked like – I met him the first time. And you know the first time I met him? So – I was kind of into like rapping. I had a friend from Korea, from Hawaii or wherever he was from. Um, and he got me into rapping probably like my first or second year. And then um, Tom came, um, this guy, remember Chaz? I think his name was Chaz. Yep, yep. Um, weird, weird name, annoying guy. Um, and Chaz, I got to know him and I had um, some like hip hop, like producing, like, you know, app or something on my on my computer and so he he rapped so he wanted to use it i said yeah man you can come in here you can use it if you want just let me know you're coming he was like okay i'll go use it tonight i was like all right i went to the library do some homework come back i have a small room i was the ara at the time i have this small room and then there's a freaking like rap battle going on in my room and tom is like i'm like yo 
what is this 40-year-old guy doing? I was like, yo, where did you get this guy? He's like, hey, what's up, man? I'm Tom. I was like, yo, are you like, you're like old. He's like, no, nah, man, I'm 18. <laughs> I'm like, why would you say? I don't know how old he was at the time. Maybe he was 18. But I'm like, yo, this guy. And I thought he was so weird. I can't remember where he lived. I think, did he start off at 24 up? I don't, when I, when I came so this oh yeah he was he came bef- a little before you yeah yeah i think he started off 24 up. he can come on and let us know but he started 24 up or somewhere else but then he made his way down quickly to 24 down we became really cool with him like if you're not cool with tom you're not a good person like <laughs> tom is the chillest person he is awesome he could just start rapping off the top like he he did beatboxing like he won over 24 down like real quick he was just this really awesome guy, man. Um, so that guy is awesome, bro. He, he got a he got a hot wife too. Um, but <laughs> you know, you're married too, right? Yeah, I'm married, married too. Yeah, yeah. Can I say you got a hot wife too? Sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, man. But yo, is that your um, your profile pic or one of your profile? Pic? That's your wedding coming yes. out to like, yo, that's awesome. I so, showed my kids that the other night. So it took. Um, I had the idea of doing like a wrestling entrance for my wedding. And I definitely wanted to do this for quite some time. So we get engaged and I was thinking for months, how do I propose this idea to her? And so finally one night I was just like, I kind of spilled the whole thing and she was not for it. So it took me a good few months of trying to win her over and convince her. And I love this girl more than anything else in the world. So I'm thankful she let me do it because it was a blast to do. But yeah, I had a, full out wrestling style entrance for my (laughs) during my wedding um oh no go ahead i I was gonna i like uh you were talking about tom and i lived with so i i lived with ryan frizzell when i first got there and mike and junior were next to me after the first semester that first year ryan i don't remember if he left the college he didn't leave the college but he moved some there was some like room switch so then i'm um i think it was it i think mike moved in with me so that was like the first year and then my second year um i lived with junior and i think when junior left which it might have only been a half year too at some point i i ended up rooming with tom for a semester or two i don't remember how long it was but that was dude like living with tom you talk about like how great of a guy Tom is. Like I can't agree more, but living with Tom was so much fun. I mean, you want to talk about like just doing stupid things to entertain ourselves. We got, um, were you there when we got triops? They were like these, like, it's like, um, it's considered it familiar. It's considered a prehistoric animal. So you like get these like, it's like this little like <laughs> packet. It's kind of like sea monkeys, I guess you get this little packet of these like, eggs or something you drop them in water and then they turn into this like thing that swims around for us so like we got a packet of these triops and there was like 10 of them to start off and then they like killed each other off but like just <laughs> like that was the kind of stuff that tom and i would do together like tom was a blast it didn't matter what you were doing with the guy he was a blast yeah man and like like i don't even remember him ever saying like um because he, like he his flow of his like rap and freestyles was like the same flow of his talking he'll be like he'll just be like yeah man and i just did this and this and that. and like like the way he talked i love the way he talks and everything and 
oh, the pepperoni nips, man. Those are the best, bro. <laughs> it's like making fun of his nipples were the great. And he, he leaned into it. That's why it was so funny. He didn't like try to shy away from it. He was like, yeah, I got pepperoni nips. You want some? He would put it in people's faces. It was great. It was great. I, I love that. Um, I want to say something about um, Nate and then uh, I'm going to, I'm going to end there. Um, but Nate, you know, like I said before, people just looked at him as a jerk and stuff, but also people, people loved him. People wanted to be Nate when he came there. He got so many people to go to the gym, not with him, but like they were, people were getting in shape, Samsung, Josh Lee, you know, a lot of people, because this guy came in with like a, you know, a muscle magazine body with abs and everything. And everyone was like, whoa, everyone wanted, thought he was like the coolest guy. Right. And I remember I was supposed to room my third year. I was, me and Tim were talking about rooming together, but then Nate was like, yo, man, you want to room together? And I, I'm so sorry, Tim, man. I, 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 I kind of like turned my back on Tim. I was like, yo, man, I'm going to room with Nate. I mean, this guy's like one of the coolest guys on the floor. You know what I mean? So uh, we, 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 we roomed together. And Nate wasn't really big on a lot of conversation. He would usually just be like goofing off. I never really got into a, a very deep conversation with Nate, maybe once or twice. But he was really looking for a girlfriend, bro. He was really looking for the girl of his dreams. Uh, he would always joke, hey, man, you know, girls come here to find their husband. So I'm looking for my wife and everything, you know. And he never, like, really connected with any of the girls. They were always, like, maybe not good enough for him or just, like, you know, whatever it was. I don't know whatever it was, but I remember him going out. And I got to say, th this guy has a kind heart. He's a great guy because he's not just a jerk like everyone thinks because this is what he used to do. But he, he did this thinking that I was asleep. But a lot of times I wasn't. So I would be in the room. So I would go to sleep, you know, sometimes 12, sometimes 1, sometimes 2 o'clock. But he would sometimes come home really late if he was talking to girls or hanging out with girls or whatever, you know, not doing anything bad. He never did anything bad with these girls. He was just getting to know them. And he would hang out with groups a lot too, with Pete and everything and with some girls. And when he would come back, he would, um, he would be getting ready for bed. So our our bed was kind of next to the door. So when you open the door, the light would shine in my face. And also he would be on his computer sometimes. Sometimes he would be playing games, but he would always like lower the volume all the way. If he was playing a game, he would always make sure the lights are off. He would, he, he put up like a sweater in front of my face. Um, not on my face, but like where, where the light would come in from the hallway. So I wouldn't wake up this guy. He's a sweet guy, man. No matter what anyone says, those are some of the things he did. Now, you know, he did it while I was sleeping. And when I was awake, he was a jerk a lot. But, you know, uh, he, he's a good guy. So I'll end on this. But if you have anything else to ask me, we can go. Uh, we can go ahead with it. But um, just with you, man, you doing this podcast, you doing the Zoom meetings, you doing going back to like we did wrestling videos. They're still on YouTube. You know, I still watch them. Um you know, doing all the editing, the no arms man stuff. Like you are like a master impressionist, if you didn't know, because all of those, we, we were improvised. We improvise all the no arms man stuff. We improvise all of the wrestling stuff. I mean, is it excellent? No, but it is good. It is good. And to me, it's excellent because it's funny stuff. But like you just had like, I don't even remember the first time I met you. I, maybe I remember. I don't even remember because that whole first, that whole first, um, you know, what's it called? Semester that you were there. I, I'm not sure if I met you or not. 
you could tell me the first time we met. I don't remember, but but like you doing all these things, man. You got like a big heart. You care about this community still 10, 12 years later and you're still keeping us together. This is the biggest thing that you're doing right now. This podcast this is the biggest thing since us all being at 24 down. And I mean that a hundred percent. This is bringing us all back, making us so happy, but at the same time sad that we're not together anymore, but thinking of all the awesome times. So I really thank you, man. Well, that honestly, that, that means a lot to hear you say that. Um, I, I want to touch on, on a few things there. So, um, I'm doing, well, let me, let me get to that later. As far as like you, what you said about how the way I am and, and everything, um, I am not always that way. Um, but you guys 24 down made me my best version of myself. So anything that I, anything 24 down related, whether it's putting that, putting together a zoom call, whether it's doing this podcast, whether it's whatever it is, um, I'm doing it to pour back in because you guys like, I can't, I can't say, I, there's no words to put like how much 24 down meant to me still means to me. Um, so for me, like, this is just like, I'm trying to do this little bit that I can do to like give back to everything that I felt that I was given from the group. Um, so that's, you know, I'm not trying to take any credit for this. Like I I'm doing it because I love everybody so, so much from 24 down. Um, as far as like, I don't even remember what else I was going to say. Uh, oh, as far as like when, when you and I met, like one of the, like, I can't pinpoint exactly what it was. It was definitely my first semester because I very specifically remember. So like I said, me, Junior, and Mike were so close, like right off the bat. And the three of us would go to these uh, intramural basketball games or dodgeball games, like right when, like it was within the first few weeks because we heard, okay, 24 down's big. We saw it a little bit. So we would go and we were kind of like on the outside I remember very specifically, <laughs> there's a picture on Facebook. Um, it's during, a, I believe, an intramural basketball game. Um, no, definitely. It was intramural something, and it was in the gym. There's a picture on Facebook. It's one of my earliest pictures. It's me, Junior, and Mike up in the balcony portion of the gym. And I've got, like, 24 down Sharpie on my sleeve. And, like, we had a flag that we made up. Like, we made this flag because we saw how cool it was and we wanted to be a part of it. And... I will like, I, I don't remember exact moment of when we met, but I know in my mind, this is my recollection of it. We felt validated and we felt welcomed from you. Like you were the first person to, from that, like, Oh, here's this 24 down group that we want to like be a part of as well. And you immediately like latched onto us and, we may not, maybe we weren't like as close the first semester. I can't remember, but you definitely were the first one within that first semester, probably within the first week, to come up and introduce yourself. Hey, I'm Buddha. Like, welcome to the floor. Blah blah blah. I mean, it led to the point of, I think it was that. I think it was our first year. Like me, Junior, Mike. It was our first year that we went to Yonkers with you. It was the three of us oh, and yeah. Nate Campfin. Pete might have been there, and we went home with you one weekend. So like it was very early on and that's part of the reason like me selfishly, I call you the godfather of 24 down because to me, if it wasn't for you 
reaching out to junior and I and Mike, like, I don't know. I, I probably would have got to that same point, but maybe not. And you were the one to take that, that leap of faith with us. So I, I know it was early on and I give you credit for that. So. That's awesome, man. Yeah. You know, it may have been that first semester because I remember at least doing the 24 down wrestling for like a year. I knew it, it lasted for at least two semesters, maybe kind of three. Um, but yeah, that first year, I, I think we became friends pretty quick then. Because yep. um, I also remember like we were kind of getting to know you guys. And it wasn't like we had a meeting and said, hey, guys, let's bring in the new guys. But it was just like something that naturally happened. Um, and I remember it was probably one of the first week, it was probably the first week and we were all in the hallway. It was kind of like the middle of the hallway where I can't remember who lived there, but, um, you know, we were getting to know the twins a little and you as well. I don't know if you were there in the hallway with us, but like, I was like, yeah, man, I'll go against this little guy. You know, junior was so little back then, you know, he was probably like 120, 130 pounds. I don't know, but they said that they wrestled. I was like, yeah, right. Let me see what you got. This guy, his first move, he took me, he scooped my legs up and drilled me into the ground. I said, yo, respect, man. And I was like, yo, I'm not messing with you, but I love you. I see what you guys got. And like, what, what, what floor? What floor do you know of has two sets of twins? Right. We are so unique. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy, man. It's awesome. I, I mean, I, I, just, I just looked up a picture, too, um, from Facebook. I was trying to put, like, some sort of timeline. And there's a picture of Junior and I with some tag team belts, and we've got the black masks on, putting up the X or whatever. And that picture is tagged December 2006. So we were doing the wrestling thing that first semester. So I know for a fact it was the first semester where we all started getting close. Like maybe it wasn't the very first week. I, I can't remember, but it was definitely that first semester. And that, that, that was so much fun, man. And we trashed that friggin' commuter lounge. And then it became a <laughs> photography place. And I, I guess they found out after a while, and that's why we had to stop it. But we would go there like, you know, after 11, 12 at night and just be like, you know, doing that stuff. And, that that was that was a lot of fun, and I could just you know you were light enough where I could just like like throw you around. So that was fun, and you let me throw you around. So I I had a great time, yeah. um, but that was so much fun, man. That was that was a lot of, fun. and then we started to get like a lot of people in it, and we got Nate in it. Remember, and he just started punching us like actual really hard. We're like, yo, this is not how you do this. Like, I don't week on there. Um, but I remember it was the funniest thing when, um, Mikey got involved and he was like that sugar daddy guy with the mask and stuff <laughs> and they took off his mask and his brother just smacked him in the face. I still laugh at that because it was just, we did not plan this stuff. We kind of knew what we were doing and we just went along with it, man. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I, so <clears throat> unfortunately, like when I, when I would edit all those wrestling videos together, I'd always put just some random song that I liked as the background. And unfortunately, because of that, copyright laws then came out shortly after. So on YouTube, not everything from our wrestling is on there, and I don't have the footage anymore, which is real unfortunate because there's some stuff that's not on there. But I think that slap is still on there. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, I will <clears> – <throat> we, can, we can end this with this with one more wrestling – 24 down wrestling story. I, I can't remember if you were here for this or not, or if this was after you left. I'm, I'm hoping you were here for this or not, but we did 
Were you around when we introduced Big Rick into the 24 Down? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It was like the rock character, yeah. I think. Yeah. So we filmed this whole thing where uh, <laughs> Wolf was Commissioner Wolf, and he had put on this like press there. There was like this tournament coming up uh, to crown the new champion of some sort, whatever. So we're filming it for, I don't even know why, but for some reason we're filming this in like Bongiorno in one of the like, <laughs> I don't know, little, it's not a classroom. I don't know what you would call it, the study room or something like yeah, that. Yeah. In Bongiorno, right. And so we're going through this and at some point, like somebody walks out, slams the door and this picture frame just like swinging on the wall and then falls off. So it's like <laughs> starting to get a little loud. And then out of nowhere, we decide to introduce Big Rick as this character and we all know big rick he's loved the guy to death he's so loud but he was loud because he was very committed to the character so he starts cutting this promo and he's yelling so we're in we're in this doesn't he have a girl doesn't he have a girl with him or something I yeah i think so I, I think so so he's yelling this promo late at night in a hall that we don't even live on and matt bowden was the RA of the at the time of Bonjourno. <laughs> Here comes Matt Bowen down to scold us for like Rick yelling at the top of his lungs at like two o'clock in the morning. I don't know. I'll never forget that. So that was so funny. That that really quick reminds me of you were there when we stole their um Christmas tree. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And we were singing Oh Christmas Tree. <laughs> and, and, and we, where did we bring it? Did we bring it to our place or where did we put it? I don't remember, but wasn't it remember. wasn't it okay from my memory? Wasn't that Christmas tree upstairs, and we had to take it through the elevator downstairs? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I think and, they're just like it just came. It just came out of nowhere. Like, why were we doing that? It I was don't. Like, Yo, we hate Bongiorno because they got air conditioning. They got everything. Let's go <laughs> take their Christmas tree, and we just did it. It was and like I th- five to seven of us. And I think there was like just a trail of ornaments that were falling yep. off the tree as we like, like the freaking Grinch, bro. Exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Buddha man, I. I appreciate you being on so much, dude. Like you, you are everything that 24 down represents. And I, I guarantee you, if everybody could share a story about you, there would be a lot of people like Rick said it in his, I've said, it. there'd be a lot of people that would say, Hey, Buddha was the first guy I met because that was just, you, 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 you welcome people before you even really knew them. It's it shows the character of who you are and everybody loves you man i appreciate it it's been a blast having you on um this is not going to be the only time you will be back don't you know everybody listening this is only part one of buddha buddha will be back at some point um so i'm gonna let you give a a little closing word but before i do that because i want your closing word to just be the end it'll be powerful so let me do all the quick plugs um you want to email us for any reason 24 down podcast at gmail.com if you got twitter you can follow us at 24 down podcast um if you want to buy a shirt you can go to storefrontier.com slash 24 down and uh yeah i mean just keep interacting guys let me know uh when you want to be on i'll have anybody on whether you lived on 24 or you're a friend you're a parent of somebody that lived on 24 down you're a current spouse of somebody like if you have some relation to 24 down and you want to give your side of the thing, let me know. Uh, I want, I want this to go as long as it can. So Buddha, I'll let you close it out. Give any last words you want, man. Yeah, man. I, I 
want to be on this five or ten times, but I want to hear everyone else first, Matt. So everyone get on here, message hat, um, let them know that, you, and let them schedule you, man. I want to hear all you guys. Um, but just something to leave you guys with. I really do feel now, even at, in this time that we're in, uh, with trying to reconcile things and come together in unity, um, with you know the races and everything like that. Um, I really feel like 24 down speaks to that. I feel like uh, we united together. There was a lot of love. There was a lot of camaraderie. There was a lot of accepting someone as they, they are at first because we're all supposed to get better. Uh, we're not supposed to stay the same. So I feel like the world can learn a lot about 24 down and what we've been through. Not everything we did was great. Not everything we did was perfect. But, um, you know, nothing is perfect. Uh, we did have love and we did have brotherhood. We had a camaraderie um, and we just came together. Black, white, Asian, it didn't matter. We accepted everyone. And uh, that's what this world can learn um, from 24 down. I really do believe that. And I really do wish, man, that I can go back. I really wish I can go back. It was the four best years of my life. Like I said, I like the stuff I'm doing now, but those times, even though there was a lot of lonely times at times, even though there was some sad times, even though there was a lot of work to do and very anxious times, I think all the good of 24 down just washes all of that away. And um, hey, if, if Valley Forge could have been like 24 down, the whole Valley Forge, um, that, that school would have been succeeding in so many ways. Um, a lot of people can learn a lot of things about, about 24 down, even today, as we keep it going. And I thank Josh for that. And many of you guys that are keeping it going, um, we gotta, we got to keep it going. world, how to live. we got to show the world how to love. So I love all you guys. I love you, Hat. I love uh, what you're doing. I love this whole platform. I love podcasts. So being on, this is my first time being interviewed on a podcast, and this is a big deal for me, man. And I don't even know if I'm going to listen to this. Maybe I will because um, we're doing it. So you don't know how special it is to someone else that's not doing this. You're doing all the work, Hat, and it's so enjoyable. It is so enjoyable. So keep on doing it. And that's all I got to say. Sometimes I lay under the moon I thank God I'm breathing And I pray don't take me soon Cause I am here for reasons Sometimes in my tears I drown But I never let it get me down So when negativity surrounds I know
and we'll 